Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on this morning after the Cardinals didn't provide us any highlights. Hmm. Hi, kids. That was a double back ball go to me. Yeah. uh That was one of their... uh, their Six hits on the night. Big guy shot out by Cobb. Alex Cobb's been around the block a little bit. Was with Tampa. Was good with Tampa. With Baltimore. With was not good with Baltimore. With San Francisco has not been good with San Francisco. It's been a while. It's been a minute since uh, since Mr. Cobb has been good. But uh, he reversed the trend last night against the Cardinals. That happens when you're pitching against. It's like the first time he's done that in a decade. Yeah, yeah. So pretty recent, right? That he he's done things like that. He had a perfect game going until Paulie Goldschmidt hit that ball out in right field. He yeah. was pitching pretty well. This is uh, this is a team that's built on offense, and I, I've talked a lot about how I think the pitching will will kick in. But and, and granted, you're playing without um, Nolan Arenado last night, but he's not doing much for you. It is alarming when Alex Cobb shuts you out, and it's not. I, I don't judge one game. But there is a trend here of the Cardinals not being able to score as much as you would think that they would be able to score with the perceived talent that they have. Yeah, I mean, especially with Jordan Montgomery performing the way that he did. We talked about starting pitching at the start of the season kind of being the issue that we were looking at. And after that first inning, I know that he labored. It was like, what, 31 pitches? But he settled in really well. To me, that's an energy shift. Mm -hmm. And that should be to your offense, okay, now it's in your hands to take this game over. This offense, we know, statistically, if you look at paper, I mean, they're like top five in a lot of categories in Major League Baseball. But having a performance like that really, really does not make any sense. It felt like a lot of guys were pressing, and we keep talking about the little things mounting up. And that's what that game felt like last night, where the little things were mounting up. You could just tell that the guys were pressing a lot. And that's the result that you get. And then even you had that situation that we'll get into in the seventh inning. With That was a routine fly ball that typically Tommy Edmond would make. But you wonder, with these guys just pressing so much, these mistakes are going to mount up, and then it leads to these losses. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Montgomery gave you six innings. They said the the... The ball that was hit to Tommy Edmond, it, it, it should have been picked up. It should have been <laughs> the first out of the inning. It's not. It's a it's an error. And now you're looking at Jordan Montgomery coming out of the game, Drew Berhagen coming in, and things just didn't go in the manner in which you want them to. You don't want errors. You don't want mistakes. I, I don't know. I, I, I think they 
I mean, we, we talked about this offense scoring eight runs a game. When they win, Randy, they're at about 7.1. So, mm-hmm. it, obviously, if they want to win games, they're going to have to score seven to eight runs a game in order to have success. Jordan Montgomery gave you everything he could yesterday. As you said, Brooke pitched the, the first inning. I thought he would be out by the third or fourth inning. I thought no way in the world he would make it to the seventh, but he did. He 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 battled back. He he performed pretty well and, and didn't allow any runs. And then you get the error by Tommy Edmond at, at second base, and things kind of snowball after that. So John Ditton tweeted this out. He said, the Cardinals are 2-12 and 12 when scoring four or fewer and 1-9 and nine when scoring three or fewer. And we know the prediction that you two made was that they need to score eight, eight yeah. you know, eight runs a game. What is the identity, you think, of the Cardinals right now and this offense? Do you feel like they're lacking that and maybe that that's leading to some of these issues in these games? They sure feel disjointed. They don't feel like a unit right now as an offense. And how you fix that, I don't know. But also, when you, okay, to me, when you bring I up. I know how to fix it, but uh, I'll let you finish let me, let me start with this. And they didn't score any runs. We'll get to the offense in a moment. But you bring out Jordan Montgomery in the bottom of the seventh inning. He's pitched six strong innings. For me, Joey Bart this year against left-handed pitching is hitting 231 with a 555 OPS. Against right-handed pitching, Joey Bart, who Drew Verhagen came in to face after the Edmund error, he's hitting 571 with a 1.38 OPS. So, to me, Jordan Montgomery had a substantial advantage against Joey Bart if you let him pitch against Bart. If you don't plan on him throwing more than three pitches, then why did you bring him out to start the seventh? And why do you blame him and take him out because of an error? He did his job. He got the out. And Edmund just didn't execute the out. So, I don't know why. The Cardinals made, well, I, I do know why, because it's an analytics move. I don't know how they figured it out, because Joey Bart's hitting 571 against right-handers. But I can't figure out how you take Jordan Montgomery out in that spot. Now, to the offense, there are guys that are underperforming, and CD, I think I know where you're going. Go ahead. Have a consistent lineup. Have the same guys in the lineup every single day, in the same positions. The shuffle around stuff, I almost said something else Mm -hmm. because it's shuffling around sounds better with that word. It ain't working. Get the same people in the same spots every single day and let them continue to have, understand who they're hitting behind, understand who they're hitting in front of, and understand how pitchers are going to pitch to them because of that. If you're, if I'm in front of Arenado every single day, I know how, how I'm going to be pitched because you don't want to face him. If I'm behind him, I know what I'm going to be expecting because of what's going on. Understand that if you have consistency, it makes for a better product. That's my personal opinion. When you, I understand analytics. Oh, this guy is this. And that, throw the analytics out of the window for one week. Trot the same guys out there for one week and see if the analytics don't actually fit into what you what you put out there. Because the guys have to play the game. They have to be consistent. And the only way you get consistency is by playing every single day and not taking that, taking those days off and being shuffled around in different spots. All right. Tommy Edmond doesn't make that error at, at shortstop, I don't think. I mean, he shouldn't have made it at second base, but I don't think he. I definitely don't think he makes that error at shortstop. So I don't think Brendan Donovan makes that error if he's at second base. I think if you have guys play, playing in the same spots 
all the time. You watch basketball, mm-hmm. you see basketball. Patrick Ewing said something one day when he was coaching the Georgetown. When have you taken that shot? He was talking to one of his kids. When have you taken that shot? When have you practiced that shot? Basketball players, it's it's sickening to watch them warm up. They do the same thing every single time. And guess what? When the game time comes, they go to the same spots that they practiced the entire time. When you practice something over and over and over again, guess what, Randy? You get better at it. I don't know why. Well, and it if you just practice happens. what you're good at, you don't improve what you were bad at, right? Nah, nah. Here's Ali Marmol on taking out Jordan Montgomery in the seventh with nobody out after the error by Tommy Edmond. Yeah, he did. Um, and he got stronger as the game went on. Had some traffic, pitched out of it, and then uh, felt good enough to go back out there and, and get the lefty to, to ground out. But that was a pretty good game by Monty. Yeah, I'll say it was a pretty good game. I think he should have been given more opportunity. <laughs> Man, we're, we're learning as we go, right? We're, we're learning yeah. that maybe you just keep Monty out there a little bit longer. Maybe, just maybe you keep the lineup consistent going out there but here's the thing with Nolan Arenado not being in that game last night it kind of made sense because people brought this up yesterday where he hasn't exactly looked great he's been three for like what was that three for his last 22 and his recent plate appearances Mm -hmm. and it looks like he's been kind of struggling a little bit so they gave him a scheduled day off do you believe do you believe the scheduling or is it kind of just they're seeing something a guy needs to take a day off. Yeah, I think they probably are seeing a guy who needs to take a mental break because he's so hard on himself. Well, what about Walker? What did you think about him not being in the lineup? I think they're spotting Jordan Walker. I, 20-year-old player has never done it at this level before, a lot of intensity. I, I, I think they're picking their spots for him, and we'll see him for the majority of the games. So that's that would be my guess. So I, I'll I, remember, I just think if you want to win, you put your best players in. You, you let them play, yeah. and I and I understand days off. It, it's it, for me, it's a little early in the season to have this many days off of rest because when you're gonna <laughs> come June, July, August, dog days of summer, you're going to need those days mm-hmm. off. And now, you know, I, I would much rather have used those later on in the middle, middle to, towards the end of the season, as opposed to early in the season. Do we need to bring up the elephant in the room? They lost another series. Opener. They did. Yeah. But but I yeah, you're right. It's only the media. It's only the media that are that are making that a big deal, right? Yeah. So Ali has a fourth place team. They're seven games out of the lead now in the NL Central. And how do you how do you manage the tone of the team when they're kind of scuffling? Uh we can't. And uh that's just the reality of where we are. Um you got a pretty uh, mentally tough team, I'll tell you that. They're not gonna give in. Um other people would. I'm telling you that there's there's no way anybody in that clubhouse, staff, player included, is going to give in to what's going on right now. So we'll embrace it. We'll wake up tomorrow morning and get after it again. And by the way, when he said he can't, that was in reference to the question was, how do you manage the tone of the team when you can't catch a break? And he said, we can't catch a break. That's what he was talking about. So woe is me. I, I don't. I don't think people want to hear that. You know, I, look. I think we keep hearing things over and over again, and it is early. But then it gets to a point. We we discussed this yesterday, where you're kind of saying this, and we're getting later and later and closer to the month of May, where the early excuse is starting to go a little bit out the window. I was going to ask you guys that today. At what point can you stop saying it's early? Oh, I think last week was the last week you could yeah. say it's early. You're, you're, we said 15% yeah. in right now. I, I don't think 
early as uh, part of this conversation. I would say the midpoint of the season, eighty-one games. You think you can say you you think you can say that until the middle of the season? <laughs> we see it Brandon? every year. We see it every single year. So here's my the only issue that I have is when you start creating habits, especially losing habits. It, it, it's you contagious. can create. It is you can be contagious in winning, and you can be contagious in losing. And if you start to have losing habits, not playing the game. You know, the complete nine innings, having lapses, having mental errors where you you have an error and, and get, a, get a runner on first base, and now your starting pitcher has to come out of the game. You start creating ways. It's not about – when you're a good team, those breaks find you. You make those things happen. When you're a bad team, the ball bounces and it hits you in the in the gut and you fumble it away and can't get the guy out at first. So do you think the Pirates' habits at 16 and 7 are going to lead them to the playoffs? Mm, I don't think so. No. But I think they were underestimated. I I do think that uh, Pirates winning will, is more yeah. fun than than they're having more fun right now than the Cardinals. The, the Pirates, it'll be an upset if they finish eighty one and eighty one. They still have hope though, and I'm not saying that the Cardinals don't have hope, but I'm saying right now there's still a belief in that clubhouse that anything is possible because they're finding ways to win. It is April twenty fifth. So we have May, June, July, August, September. Who finishes? Ahead in the standings, the Cardinals or the Pirates? I don't know that that's the... the. I mean, I would say the Cardinals. Who finishes ahead of the Cardinals or the Brewers is really the standard. Right. It's not... That's, yeah. We don't and care his, about finishing in front yeah. of the Pirates if that's yeah. our, and his, <laughs> if history, that's our landmark. Tell, well, I think people are sold on the Pirates for some reason. Oh, and they yeah. are that good. No, I, I, I'm not... I don't think anybody's buying game. in that this is going to last yeah. with the Pirates. Yeah. What, I, what the I Hall of Famer so. do you see on the Pirates? Right now? Yeah. I don't think. What all star do you see on the Pirates? Uh, his ankles snapped. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. No, what Hall of Famer do you see on the Cardinals? You see a couple of them. Goldie yeah. and Arenado. Yeah. Any all stars on the Cardinals? Goldie Arenado. Gorman. Gorman. Helsley. Maybe Wilson Contreras. If he... Yeah. So uh, the Cardinals, here's what happens in sports. Carrie, you played on a team. When you have more good players, you win. This is true. And, and the Cardinals have more good players. They have then, more good players in the Brewers. They have more good players in the Cubs. They have more good players in the Pirates. More good players in the Reds, and they're going to win the division. Exactly. Well, I think. Well, I I think that it is concerning though this early on to not find something that is just clicking because you would think, what what is it? You're looking for something that's kind of elite that can carry this team. At first, you would think it's the offense, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have a performance like last night, which we've seen a couple times now. Maybe it, do you think that the starting pitching is strong enough to take them further? I mean, that's that's my question is, when will it all click? Or is there going to be one thing that is good enough that can carry this team? Well, I, I go back to the stat we had last week. In the last six years before the All-Star break, the Cardinals are essentially a 500 team. After the All-Star break, they're essentially a 600 team. Over the course of a large sample size of six years. The only issue and the only concern would be not getting so far behind that by the time you get to the break, it is uh, it's too hard to catch up. So, yeah, it's never too. You got to play bad. Play. A, you got to play better. Yeah, so, I, I've seen them be ten and a half out in September. Do you really want to do that though? Yeah, but remember, uh, that was like a miracle run that they went on <laughs> the right after. The problem is, is we've seen it like five times since 1997. We, we see it all the time. We've seen Seattle do it. We've seen Colorado do it. We've seen the Cardinals do it. But don't you think that maybe Washington fans would like a situation where you don't have to go on a miracle run? Oh, 
I think what fans like to see is uh, winning Game 7 of the World Series. They'd like to do it every single year. Sure, you'd like to see your team win 110 games. Uh, the Dodgers a couple years ago, 106 games, right? The, the Giants won 107. I don't think either of them won the World Series. Uh, yeah, it's great to start. Great. It is. But to me, I think it's more important to be a good team at the end where you can win the division. Or, or win a playoff spot. I, I think making your charge in August and August and September, to me, this is just me, I would rather have my team be good in August and September than April and May. But that's me. So, And, and I know I like, there's people yeah. that disagree with me. I agree with that. So, I would like them good in October, too. We are off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And Aaron Rodgers gets traded from the Packers to the Jets. How did the Packers do? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The long national nightmare finally ended yesterday as Aaron Rodgers was traded from the Green Bay Packers to the New York Jets. Here's the way it works. The Jets get the 39-year-old Rodgers, the 15th pick in Thursday's draft, and the 170th pick in the fifth round in Thursday's draft. The Packers get the number 13 pick, so they move up two spots in this draft. They get number 42 in the second round. They get the 207th pick plus a second rounder next year that converts to to a first rounder if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps for the Jets only once in Rodgers' career has he not played 65% of the snaps for the Packers. So essentially, the Packers uh, move up from, they get the number two. That's the, the, the big thing. They, they get a number two this year and a number one next year. Everything else pretty much evens out. And that's a pretty good haul for a 39-year-old quarterback who told you, I intend to play for the Jets. That's my opinion. I think the, the Packers have done well here. I think both sides did well. I, I don't, you know, I, people were, oh, the, the, the Jets gave up two first-rounders. No, they didn't. They gave up one. A, a, a potential first-rounder, and then they swapped picks for this year's first round. And so, essentially, you gave up a first-rounder in 2024. In exchange for a guy that should make you one of the favorites in the AFC. There you go. So, I don't think that that's a terrible uh, a trade for either side. I think both sides came out of it with the with what they wanted, and they're going to be able to, the Jets are going to be in a much better position going forward. They're going to be able to draft their guy at 15 instead of 13. They, they move back a couple of spots, but they still have a great roster right now. And that was one of the I know that was one of the sticking points for the Jets. They did not want to give up that 13th pick without anything in return. They gave it up, but they got a 15th instead. So it's not a, uh, a horrible trade for them, and they are excited about what they have going forward. Well, and the Packers still kind of shoulder a financial hit, though, because even though they're kind of out of that 60 million, right, they still have they still face a dead money cap hit of more than forty million. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably have to dump uh, David Bakhtiari. My guess is that he, well, he he actually renegotiated, so he reduced his cap hit. But they're going to be players on that team. They're going to have to dump salary, and they're going to be really, really young. Fortunately, they have the picks to what we would say rebuild. Brian Gutekunst is the Packers GM. Are the Packers indeed rebuilding? 
No, I don't. I don't ever look at it like that. You know, we're excited about this football team at work and go. Obviously, we're a long ways away from what our 53-man roster and our 16-man practice squad is going to look like. But we're really excited about it. It's going to be new, obviously, specifically a quarterback. Uh, it looks like at the same time, we're, we, you know, the goals don't change around here. It's going to be the same goals we've always had, right? There's there's one goal here every single year, no matter what. Just like it was back in the last time we kind of we, we moved on from one quarterback to the other, right? The goals are the same, and it's going to be on those guys to put in the work, and and it's going to be exciting to see, but. Um, um, yeah, nothing's really changing. It's easier to have expectations when you've had 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. Brett Favre got his first start in 1992, and then Aaron Rodgers came in and uh, got, got started in 2008. A lot of pressure on Jordan Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's got some uh, some shoes to fill. And, and the thing is, the Packers needed to do this because they don't know what they have in Jordan Love. He has not had a full season to be quarterback. They need to know if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option for next year. So they had to get this done and had to move on from Aaron Rodgers. If we're talking about NFL scripting, doesn't it feel like a little weird that Aaron Rodgers is following like the almost would see the exact script that Brett Favre did? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, let's hope he doesn't get injured, at least for everybody's sake and all. This, but still, and it's send some it's eerie, right? On the internet. Yeah, but, and, <laughs> and then also, yeah, yeah. There, let's just not follow that script. No. But it, it is interesting to see this all play out. Now, I have a question for you guys: Where does he now sit in your ranking for quarterbacks, best quarterbacks in the AFC? That's a very good question. Yeah. Um, is he above Joe Burrow? Is he above no, Patrick no. Mahomes? So then where does he lie in your I, rankings? I have. I, I would actually place him above Herbert, though. I would put him fourth as well. So Josh Allen? Yes. Above him? Yes. No, 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 no. no. I, I, Patrick I, Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, and Burrow? Uh, Joe Burrow. And then I would have Aaron Rodgers. You'd have, you, you'd rather Lamar? Have, Let's assume Lamar. I would... I would eh, four A and four B. Okay, and between I would, those two, I, I will put him above above Trevor Lawrence. Yes, I will put him like we said above Herbert. He's got to be above Jimmy G. He's got to be above Russell Wilson. So yeah, yeah, and four or five. with the potential, by the way, because he's pretty good, got a pretty good surrounding cast now with the the potential to be right up there yeah. with the, the the big two. It could be you know take your choice between Mahomes. Uh, Burrow and Rodgers. Mm-hmm. At the end of the season, it might be that way. Yeah, I like that. I'm surprised that you were just putting them above Lawrence Herbert and Allen. I'm Lawrence not putting them above Allen. You're not. You're not putting them above no. Allen. I'm surprised you're putting them above Lawrence. He's better than Lawrence. he's be- right now. Yeah. Don't if don't, you're trying to win right yeah. now in 2023, it, it, yeah. you'd rather have Aaron Rodgers yes. trying to win for you than Trevor Lawrence. If you swap those hmm. quarterbacks, they would have Aaron Rodgers would have more success on either team than than Trevor Lawrence. Aaron Rodgers has won two of the last three MVPs in the league. Yeah, I know. Are you just worried about his very, age? No, is that what little, it is? I, I'm just you know it's you know sometimes the NFL you get caught into the natural what have you done for me lately thing of the league and I, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now with Aaron Rodgers. But again, two of the last three MVPs, it's kind of hard to argue against that. Yeah, and he he didn't have Devontae Adams. He's got nope. the reigning. Offensive Rookie of the Year in the AFC and Garrett Wilson, the guy that would have won the Offensive Rookie of the Year if he wouldn't have been hurt in uh, Bright Brees Hall. Hall. Yep. Uh, they've got uh, they signed Lazard. Uh, they've got a lot of good things happening. And by the way, a championship quality defense for the Jets as well. So the trade is done, and now the the only veteran chip left to fall in the NFL is well, there, there might be two. Uh, Obviously, the first one is Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. What happens to him? 
And then the other possibility, I guess, is that DeAndre Hopkins could wind up with the Ravens, too. That's one of the things that has been talked about in the last 24 hours is the Cardinals are preparing to move DeAndre Hopkins and Baltimore is interested. So they could add, in addition to Rashad Bateman, their first rounder from a couple of years ago, they could add both Odell Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins to the roster. That would get uh, Lamar excited about playing football there. I would think so. I think they still got a number to meet, but... I think he would be much more excited now than he was, let's say, six months ago. Yep. This is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our bird watch, as if we haven't talked enough about the Cardinals today. Uh, we're going to have some negative stuff for you, I think, <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is bad. This is very, very bad. Yeah, it is. It's Stephen A. You are not wrong. This is bad. This is very, very bad. (laughs) It is. It's very, very bad. (laughs) Season's over. Season is over. Oh, Randy. Right? (laughs) You're trying to bait us into this. You see what he's doing, Carrie? He's trying to bait us into, no, it's early. I'm in. in. The sky is falling in St. Louis, Missouri. The World Series champion Pittsburgh Pirates. What street do they have their parade on? Oh, I can't remember any street (laughs) names. Uh, Okay. I forget what street. Uh, Rock, that was. I'm the same same way, though. I'm not great with street names. It's okay. I will, I will I will get that research done for you sooner Guys, rather than later. I always, and I told Ollie this last year, I, I do appreciate his level-headedness. I don't always appreciate his managing, but I appreciate his level-headedness. And I always go back because in a, in, in a small sample size theater, like we're in right now, 23 games, <laughs> the best example to me of level-headedness in a short sample size situation was when the Cardinals lost 1982 World Series Game 1, 10-0, shut out by a guy named Mike Caldwell of the Milwaukee Brewers. And Whitey goes into the media area, sits down. They've got a table set up, sits down, says, 
glad that wasn't a blank and double header. Uh, and everybody laughed, and everybody cracked a smile. And baseball players, we're going to talk to Adam Wainwright tomorrow, they compartmentalize this. They really don't care. It, they just move on to the next day. They don't worry about the day before because they can't control the day before. And that's where they are right now. And the other thing is, and Adam will say this tomorrow, and this is from a guy who, since 2010, has played on teams that have had five games since 2010 where they didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. So he kind of understands how a season unfolds. And I I think that he'll tell us that they really aren't worried there. They don't want to be behind. They don't want to be four or five games under 500. But I also think that they recognize that things happen during the course of a season that are reversible. I I, I agree that things are going to happen throughout the season. But at the same time, the the consistency is what's needed from this team. It, it's it's players performing. You're not going to get a hit every day, but if I'm not getting a hit, then then my guys are getting hits, and so it's the consistency throughout. And I think that's the part that's lacking. You got a you got a very good start yesterday from from Jordan Montgomery, mm-hmm. and and we talked about how the pitching was an issue to begin the season. They were struggling. When you get really good starts from from your starting pitching, you have to score runs. You have to put runs on the board. Otherwise, it makes it's a wasted start. And and Jordan Montgomery sits here with a loss after the night, and he went six innings of of no run baseball, gets an error from his second baseman, and now you lose the game to to the tune of four zero. And and he stuck with the loss, and he performed pretty well except for that first inning. So I, I think. It's about when you're when you're a team. It's about not letting your team, your teammates down. Making sure that you uplift those guys and do the best you can when he's out there performing in the way that he was. And I need to make this point, and this was driven home to me every single day. I got to cover Joe Torre in ninety, ninety one, ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, part of ninety five. I love Joe Torre, and he would tell me every day because he listened to my show every night, and he'd say, "Randy, you got to remember, this game is hard." And it is. And I think we have expectations that, oh, these guys can do it. But to be great every single day is really difficult. I don't think you have to. I don't I don't know that being great every single day, you would like that. You would like your 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 superstars to be superstars every single night. Paul Goldschmidt got a double. You 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 mm-hmm. you get runners on. You got to get those guys in. It's about the entire team. It's about the entire lineup doing their job. And if guys aren't doing their job, then eventually guys don't get opportunities. That's right. that's the, how how sports work. It's either do your job or n- you're no longer afforded those opportunities to do your job. And so figuring out who is going to do their job consistently, I think, is what the Cardinals need right now. Don't you think going into this season that this Cardinals team was built around their offense being able to bail them out of games or win games for them. I I think you could say if this was going to be about a season about starting pitching, they would have gone and got a big name starting pitcher to add to the starting rotation. We knew that the Cardinals offense is going to be the thing that carries this team further and looking for some sort of consistency that hasn't happened. It feels like yet since, I mean, they haven't, I feel like they haven't built any momentum since like opening day. They have not, uh, to Kerry's point, they've had 20 different batting or, orders and they've had three games with the, the, the most common batting order. It's happened two, two times in three different situations where they've had the same batting order. But it, I assume, that, and they assume, I guess, that Brendan Donovan, he's a finished product. He's going to be their leadoff hitter because he's the guy. Are you? Do you think they should still be evaluating Alec Burleson, or is he locked in? 
they need is, to is still be great? evaluating him. So um, if you if you leave it up to me, my my he would be the two outfielders that I know for sure would be Jordan Walker and Lars Newbar at this moment, and okay. then I would figure it out between Dylan Carlson. Uh, Alec Burleson and, and and Tyler O'Neill. We would figure that out. And whoever performs best, I think I think Burleson is probably probably the guy right now. If you were to mm-hmm. force me to to make a decision, but yeah, yeah. So. Okay. So Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, they're locked in, right? Yes. You're, you're they're your three, four, five. Yep. Okay. No, the next most common lineup has Nolan Gorman hitting sixth every day. I'm Nolan, fine with that. I am too. Uh, Jordan Walker hitting seventh. I'm fine with that. Uh, and then it's Mr. X hitting eighth. That would be your other outfielder. Okay. Unless it's Alec Burleson, then he's hitting two. Right. And I think Alec Burleson is hitting. Yeah, okay. I, I know what you're saying. Gotcha. gotcha. And then Edmund hitting ninth? Yes. Yep. Unless Donovan is struggling. So I'm good with that. Now, what? one of the problems, well, it's not a real problem, is there are going to be guys that you are trying to evaluate that aren't going to get at-bats here. That's life, Randy. Life ain't fair. And for all those driving down, you've got kids in the car, let them know. Life is not always fair. Sometimes you work hard. Sometimes you get the breaks. Sometimes you don't. And sometimes things go your way. Even when you're working your hardest, you still have to be better than the person that is next to you in order to receive that job. That's how life goes. But it it does. You're looking at it from the athlete's perspective. But if you're a fan driving down the road, you say, well, they never gave Randy Rosarena a chance. They never found. They never evaluated him. Randy Rosarena has a chance now. He does it because they <laughs> traded him because they didn't give him a chance. Yeah. So if you're the Cardinals, do you want to take that chance again that you misevaluate a Dylan Carlson and he turns into Randy Rosarena? I mean, if Dylan Carlson isn't performing well here, sometimes this is the thing with athletes. Sometimes it's it's. Going to a different place is the thing that opens you up to become more successful. You may not have had the same amount of success that you had in certain places. When I got to Pittsburgh, I learned so much from the running back coach that I had never learned in my life. I had been in the league three years. There were things that he taught me that I never even knew. I was talking to Aeneas the other day, and he was talking about a, a, a uh, I forget which player he was talking about, but he was saying he learned something from this player that he never learned in his entire career that one of his coaches told him. So when you you go different places, different coaches can unlock different things in different players. And you may not be, Dylan Carlson may be uh, uh, just a middle-of-the-road athlete uh, outfielder here, but he may go somewhere else and be outstanding because of the environment and who's who he is around at that time. And that's the frustration of Cardinal fans right now because they think, oh, well, they should have known how good Sandy Alcantara was going to be, but they traded him. They should have known how good Zach Allen was going to be, but they traded him. They should have known how good Randy Rosarena was going to be, but they traded him. That's the frustration that people are dealing with right now because they're upset that the Cardinals had talented players that they don't think were given a significant enough opportunity and the the Cardinals moved them, and then they turned into stars. Yeah, it seems like for whatever reason, and I think defensively, Dylan Carlson is your best center fielder. But offensively, something is just not shaking out with him, and that's why it feels like he's not getting as many at-bats. It looks like they have made their priority with figuring out this outfield is who's doing the best offensively. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yes, absolutely. And not defensively, which is, it, which is a dramatic shift with what we kind of have seen in recent years. But then again, you did go through some of those slumps where the outfield wasn't performing at the plate like you yeah. needed them to, so you had some kind of giant holes. So you do see them kind of shifting that mentality, but you are kind of not getting some of that great defense that we're used to seeing with our outfielders. One of the advantages the Cardinals have, though, is that if they 
aside from Jordan Walker, who just hasn't done it, Newt Barr's a center fielder. O'Neill can play center field. Carlson's a center fielder. Burleson's probably not. But you have three guys. You could have an outfield of three center fielders. And the Cardinals have had situations in the past where Harrison Bader was their only guy that could play center fielder, and you wound up with deficient defense out there. I don't think that whoever you, uh, among the three, uh, I think right now I'm with you. Carlson would be my number one. Newt Barr would be my number two. O'Neill would be my number three. But there's a lot of teams would like to have uh, Tyler O'Neill as their regular center fielder. I don't think the defense is as much of an issue as it was a few years ago when you just didn't have that guy. No, no. I mean, it, it's just interesting to see this kind of unfold because, like I said earlier, I just I feel like this team was built around an offense that was going to be able to do more than what they were doing last night and do more things on a consistent basis. And that's why I brought up the identity issue, and that was going to be my bird watch today. Is what is the identity of this group, and have they not done a good enough job of of really establishing that and putting that philosophy through the system where guys are buying in and knowing? Because it seems like the situational hitting we keep talking about it that's a continuing issue and that feels like because you don't have an identity or philosophy that Mm -hmm. people are buying into just yet you gotta you gotta figure out a way to win games at the end of the day you gotta find a lineup where guys are are consistent making plays doing their job um the outfield i'm i'm fine with whomever is out there i think they all have they all add value or bring something to the table but finding the consistency of who is going to be your everyday outfielder and knowing I'm going to be batting seventh today, I, I just think there's something to it. I don't know how I don't know how baseball does it, mm-hmm. um, but I know in football when we would get to the locker room, if you weren't dressed, you would know when you got to the locker room. You would not know. You would have an idea, you know, if you were going to be up or down. And sometimes guys kind of had an idea going in that week of practice. Okay, I'm going to be down this week. But if you were an everyday player, every Sunday player, and you went into that locker room and your your jersey wasn't hanging up in your locker, that's a different. That's a that that's a jolt to your mind. So. I don't know how baseball does it if they, they let them know the night before, hey, you're going to have today off, or if it's when you get to the locker, you, your stuff yeah. ain't hanging there. I, <laughs> that could be a difference of, of how you go about your day every day. That's the bird watch here on 101 ESPN coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Kids, Tioli, Cardinals win their 94th game in the last game of the season on October 1st. You will not be satisfied with it because of what happened in April. Uh, Take it. Because you could have won 100. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you're missing out on games right now that could be the differentiating factor in, in you being a winning the division or maybe being a wild card or maybe uh, not even in the playoffs because you didn't take care of business. It, so it, you've maybe written it's not, the season off then? I haven't written it off, but I'm saying... You're dating I, again. I, you're dating, I, not, Randy. I haven't written it off, but I think that there are... 
you never want to give up this many games when you have this many opportunities. And if Jordan Montgomery goes out and gives you six innings, uh, really should have been six in the third and maybe even finished the seventh, seventh inning, you should win that game. So, yeah. It's hard I, to win I, without runs. It's, it, that's what I'm saying. It, it's it, it's damn near impossible, Randy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, how about how about this? If you're if you're gonna, I'm gonna bait you, Randy. Okay, you take it take it or leave it. A record is indicative of how good a team is. Oh. I'll take it. You are what your record says you there are. There you go. And that's why you play 162. <laughs> yep. You like what I did there, Carrie? I see what you did yep. there. I see what you're doing. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> so. Take it or leave it. We can stop blaming Jeff Albert. I saw oh, that take one. That, yeah, take it 100%. We were we were talking about that yesterday, about how that all unfolded, how it was really surprising that Jeff Albert exited because I felt like the Cardinals front office, John Moselec, really put, I feel like, a lot of trust in the eggs in the basket of Jeff Albert and putting his kind of offense and ideas through the entire Cardinals system. And that was a very weird exit yeah, to Mo have there. Yeah, did not see that coming. No. Take it or leave it. Every time the Cardinals don't score a run, he lights up a cigar and has a little sip of cognac. I'll take that, yeah. <laughs> By the way, his Mets are only averaging 4.87 per game. 4.87 runs. The Cardinals at 4.52. Hmm. Interesting. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals have just been listening to Randy too much. I'll take it. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. 80%? Yeah, they're, is they're, that not what you're up, they're not giving 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? No, because Look then at what you sudden, did, Randy. All of a sudden, they'll exp- uh, here's what, the thing. Mo and Bill, DeWitt, they, they'll expect 100%. So when you uh, you get to September and you need to win 17 in a row, you win 17 in a row. Uh, don't do anything until, they, until you're forced to do it. That would be 100% though, Randy. <laughs> oh, no, it's like 94. <laughs> no, if you have 17 and you win 17 in a row because you have to, you're giving 100%. No, you, and you said never give never, 100%. Never so give that, and 100%. technically they should be winning, what is that, 13 of them? 13 out of 17? Something like that? Yeah. <laughs> so, and then they won't make the playoffs. No, 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 because they were playing the Cubs. So, oh. you, remember, half of those, not half, but six of those games were against the Cubs in September. So, look at it from that perspective. You never, you really, you never you have, have to have give 100%, 100% to against the Cubs in September. <laughs> take it. Take it or leave it. You can't remember the last homegrown superstar besides Pujols. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Well, uh, does Sandy Alcantara count? He's not. He's not here. But he's homegrown, right? From the card by the Cardinals. He's by the Cardinals system. Not, he's not here, though. I Pretty think they mean man. homegrown and oh, still in house. Stayed here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's been Jordan a while. Walker will be. Yeah. But he, he. Yeah. That's he, he the will be. remarkable thing is that you can go to the playoffs as much as the Cardinals have. You can have Oscar Tavares die on you. Uh, you can lose Alan Craig, who you thought was going to be a middle of the lineup hitter for years, and his foot injuries cause him to not be there. To be able to go through all of that and win as much as the Cardinals have is pretty remarkable. Yeah, And it's also notable, and we should be thankful, that we have an ownership that recognizes that if you aren't developing those guys, you go out and trade for Paul Goldschmidt. You go out and trade for Nolan Arenado because our owner likes having stars on the team. Wait, they, they made moves for stars? Yeah, the Cardinals since 1909, Matthew, every single year since 1909, the Cardinals have had at least one Hall of Famer in uniform. Only only franchise that can say that. Even the Yankees can't say that. Wow. Uh, That's actually pretty cool. Uh, Take it or leave it. The hell with the excuses. Start the panic bus. I'm sick of analytical baseball killing the Cardinals. Well, I, I would suggest that taking out Montgomery last night was an analytics issue. See, I didn't have a problem with that. 
I think you you had the lefty lefty you know mm-hmm. lefty on lefty bat and and he was he, he should have gotten him out so he should have gotten out of the inning he, got with, the he, he well he didn't because we fumbled the ball at second and so now you got a runner on first I think he was going to come out regardless of of what happened in that instance I didn't have an issue with that I just I had an issue with the error and not having a, a, a an out going into uh Verhagen coming up to pitch but you still got to do your job with runners on you got to make you got to make things happen Somebody brought up Yadier Molina when the with a homegrown conversation. He was pretty good, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he came up later. He was he's going to the Hall of Fame. So yeah, I would suggest that that's probably a pretty good call. Take it or leave it. In no universe is Paul DeYoung a better shortstop than Tommy Edmond. Why is DeYoung in the lineup? He's hitting in. 750 going into the game. What else are you going to do with him at this point? <laughs> now, I will. 750. <laughs> I will say that you're. I, okay, Randy. I knew he was going to get a start because I know. he had such a great game the day before. Does he start again today? I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, because what else are you going to do with him at this point? You got to put him back out there. But my whole thing was, I did think that they were going to utilize him more as just like a utility guy, kind of like Taylor Motter was, just plug him in different places. But if he's only comfortable, you know, as your shortstop, then I guess that's what you're doing there. But I, I don't know. I mean that. I, that was a little bit confusing to me, but then again, it was just the second game, so one, I don't know if I fault him, yeah. them Rook, for that. I think one thing that April allows you to do, and early May, is showcase players and let the Dodgers see what he can do at the major league level. And I have Take to believe him. that. Yeah, that's part of what <laughs> is happening here. Take it or leave it. Goldie and Arenado need to step into more prominent leadership roles on this team. What does that mean? I think you have a better finger to the pulse of that clubhouse than us because you've been in there more recently. What do you think? I think that Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are very well respected in that clubhouse. I think that they are really good leaders. Paul Goldschmidt was the one who spoke to the media afterwards, after that game. And yes, I think when you see him on TV or you listen to him, he's very monotone. It doesn't seem like he has a lot of energy, but amongst the guys in that room, they're all going to Nolan and to Paul Goldschmidt for their questions and concerns, anything like that. And those two actually spend a lot of time with those players. I mean, Lars Newtbar spent his offseason with Nolan Arenado. So I think that they are really good leaders. I can understand with Nolan Arenado, he's probably kind of frustrated right now and going through a slump. And so that maybe isn't the best look at the moment, but he is a very, very good leader for this team. And they're both very vocal despite what you might perceive them as when we kind of see them on TV and over radio. And I don't know how much of an effect it has, certainly offensively. I don't know how much of an effect having a guy like Adam Wainwright around, but I think Adam does ease the minds of oh, a lot of young players. And when he's not around, it does make a difference. I thought, I'll, I'll never forget, it stood out to me during spring training. There's typically, you know, you've been over in that clubhouse that they have. There's like a rookie table and a veteran table. Adam Wainwright said, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I remember one spring training, he just he sat with the rookies and that stood out to so many of them because he just broke that barrier. And yeah. he wanted to know, you can come and talk to me about different things. And we know he's vocal. The Arenado and Goldie are as well. Yep. Take it or leave it. The number of the day is eight. Cardinals are now 0 and 8 in their first game of a series. Yeah, and I don't have it in the machine. You got rid of eight? Uh, did we have eight? I don't yeah, think yeah, we had eight. Wasn't, there, wasn't it two eight? Wasn't it an yeah. eight game winning okay, streak and an eight game losing streak? We had an eight. It's around somewhere. I don't know. That's, I, I could only find seven. <laughs> hardly wait. Dang it. The number it was, of the day. You're right. It was hardly yeah. wait. I remember now. 
Okay, well, I'll see if I can find the it. The fact that you remember exactly what the rhyme and carry oh, is yeah. insane to me. My brain works in I'm so disappointed interesting here. ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some well, things I remember, some things you go, how don't you remember that? I just I, I don't know. If, if you listen to this show enough, you'd think the Cardinals' winning percentage is... Zero point zero. There you go. But uh, I'm looking. I can't. Okay, I'm really disappointed here because I know I had it. Okay, oh, well. if you guys tell me I had it, then I know I had it, but I can't find it. Okay, we well, have seven. Well, let's tell, oh, take it or leave it. I mean, the Cardinals, the Cardinals aren't going to go nine because I mean, if the Blues couldn't take their their their, their well, run no. to nine, I know what the Cardinals do, right? Well, yeah. they got the Dodgers for the yeah, opening Harry, game of, of a- the next series. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're right, CD. It's <laughs> it's going to be nine, so we'll we'll have that one. Okay. We got to win the next three, though. Make make you feel better. Okay. Guys, oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, I know I seem oh. really negative on Friday, but. <laughs> okay. Four and, six, four and six is going to look really good on this road trip at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. But you know what was shocking is we we were we were sunshine and lollipops this yeah. past Friday, and we were like, oh, they're going to come away seven and three, six yeah. and four, maybe. Yeah, no, unfortunately. I guess not. <laughs> Thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Coach of your St. Louis Battlehawks on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All day we are making plays. Family on three. One, two, three. Second of five. McCarron wants it all. He's got it. Stephen Mitchell. Play action. McCarron in zone. What a catch. Put him on the Sports Center top ten. McCarron. Back foot. Give it to him. A.J. McCarron unconscious. McCarron into the hands of Butler. Case and Blunt. Butler, you're not going to catch me. What a fun season for the XFL St. Louis Battlehawks, scoring 53 points in their finale on... Saturday at the Dome at America's Center. Unfortunately, that 7-3 and record that they compiled, not good enough to get them into the playoffs. With the Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the celebrity line now. And joining us is the coach of the Battlehawks, Anthony Becht. Coach, thanks for your time, and congratulations on a great, entertaining season that you delivered for us here in St. Louis. No, Randy, thank you very much, man. I appreciate all three of you guys and the coverage that you gave our team. Um, you know, listen, I, I feel bad for our players and our team and our staff and the organization, the city, you know, to go seven and three, uh, to have the season that we did and, and obviously not be able to get in um, is disappointing. I mean, uh, you know, when I got this job, 
put my name and they announced it. I'm sure there was plenty of doubt out there, you know, uh, about me and, and, and handling the situation. But I did promise that if the fans came that I would supply a winner for this team. And I, and I think it's important because, you know, one thing, it's great to have football back in St. Louis, but I think as fans – Everybody wants a winner, and I just was diligent on trying to find great players, players that cared, high-character players, and I'm proud of each and every one of them. They, they played their hearts out. They loved playing in St. Louis, and uh, we did come up short, but uh, it's something to build on. I'm excited to do that and get ready for next year. Anthony, congratulations on the season, bro. I, I know you worked hard and, and your guys worked hard. Obviously not the ending that you all wanted, but what do you tell your team uh, after this season and, and how things ended up going? Well, we spoke briefly as a team and just talked about, you know, the, the season in review. Uh, I think it was more of a celebration of what the individual players accomplished. You know, my goal from this thing in the beginning, and I told my players, is I wanted them to try to reach their goals and, and, and get where they want to get in their career. And whether it's with us for several years or it's the NFL or whatever that is, uh, I just wanted to be, you know, be clear with them that I thought that, you know, everything they did for me bought into the culture the character that they showed, the the work ethic and the diligence just every day to do it right. You know, we didn't have one bad apple on our team. Um, you know, every day guys were on time. They were astute. They listened. We had no issues. And, uh, you know, I just I feel blessed. I'm blessed for them. And, and quite frankly, you know, I, I took the time to sit down with every one of you. It's a quick turnaround now. My flight's going. I'll be in my bed tonight, guys. I mean, that's how quick this turnaround is. But I have no office this morning. My, my room is packed up, all my clothes are already shipped back. And, you know, it's, I took time yesterday to just sit down with every player and, and talk to them, talked about what their goals were, what they accomplished, you know, uh, how I'm going to fight for them to, to, to reach the goals that they want to reach. And, and, you know, we all know the big picture. Uh, you know, winning the championship was premium for me. I wanted to go 10-0. and I wanted to win a championship for those guys, for the players, because they deserve it. When, when teams and players and Folks in the organization put the work in, and you see it day to day. You deserve a certain type of an accomplishment at the end. And, I mean, we did fall short, but uh, like I said, it's nothing to hang our hat on or head down. Uh, we should feel good about what we did and, and really something to build upon. So we'll see what this roster looks like moving forward. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll build it up again. I don't have to build a whole team, though, which is great. I'll only have to fill some pieces, which, which I think we'll be able to handle and, and make this team even better. Well, and I saw on Twitter, A.J. McCarron talked about how much he loved playing for you and how he wants to play for you again next season. So that sounds like a guy who's going to be returning, possibly. I know that a lot of things can happen, but what can you say about A.J. McCarron and his performance for you this season? Yeah, Brooke, I'd say it's, it's been great. You know, you're talking about a 32-year-old player uh, in a locker room with uh, younger players buying into the grind uh, and, the, and what the team goals were. And really for him personally, uh, how he was able to enjoy the game again. You know, being a backup in the NFL can be very profitable. It's, 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 it's a great job. But when you're the best guy in high school, the best guy in college, and then you get to that point and you're not quite there and you didn't take that step, and to now, you know, be in the limelight, you know, the conversations that we had prior to the season for me convincing him and selling him what this could be for him and the opportunity, the last thing I told him is, you know, all this stuff will be there. The platform, the fan base, a good team will get you players. You just have to go out there and perform and do your part, and he did that. You know, he did everything we asked him to do. 
he's a tough cookie now. Older player, knows a lot of football. Uh, you know, he's always he's, he's up late. He wants the, he wants things perfect, and uh, you can't fault a guy that that wants to have that uh, perfection and greatness. And him and Bruce did a great job. The offense uh, was really fun to watch, especially the last game. Uh, what we were able to do, but how it grew each and every week. But, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out for A.J. I, I think for me, uh, you know, I, I scratch my head every day how he's not a backup in the NFL. I've been in those locker rooms. I've studied every one of those and watched every quarterback in game, and, and I'm, you know, obviously still part of the NFL. I, I, quite, I just don't quite get it. And then you spend time with him, and you think, okay, maybe it's something wrong with his personality or something wrong with him, and that, clearly that's not the issue, too. So if teams want to win, if teams want a guy that's, going to be the smartest guy in the room because I always feel like the smartest guy in the room can help the room in general if you coach it right. Some coaches don't like that. Some coaches find it hard to have a guy that's in there that constantly challenges them and and that may be it. And 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 that's that's a sad state, you know, for some teams because that's just what it comes down to sometimes, but if AJ's back and he wants to come back and he doesn't sign the NFL, it'll be a conversation we'll definitely have because, you know, clearly you know, he, he was one of the best quarterbacks, if not the MVP of the league. Battlehawks head coach Anthony Becht with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And Anthony, I got to admit, I didn't pay really close attention to the, the playoff setup until the last couple of weeks. But I do know that the reason that the concept of the wild card has been introduced in sports is to reward really good teams that don't win their division. And this seems like an inadequate setup to me. What do you think of it? And would you go to the league and say, look, we were a 7-3 and three team and a 4-16 and six team made the playoffs why don't we have the best teams that don't win their divisions make the playoffs yeah i mean look hindsight obviously you look at the scenario no question you would love to have st louis in the playoffs i mean just for aesthetic wise and and getting the best four teams uh but you know i i think listen i i, I can't the, the league has been great to me they've done so many great things this year it's our first year uh, and, yeah, it's something that will definitely get looked at. I'm sure it'll, it may change moving forward. It doesn't help us now, but at the end of the day, you do want the best teams in there. You want you want to have that because that's what the fans want to see, the audience wants to see, a national audience that, you know, just following the league in general. You want to see the best players, the most exciting teams, uh, you know, make it to the show. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure the conversation is going to come up, and, and uh, it's clearly disappointing that we're not in, but, you know, again, ownership and, and everyone on, on the higher ups, I mean, they're, they're obviously watching and, and they see, you know, how it shook out this year. And you can always make changes. The NFL makes changes all the time to their playoff system. And uh, again, I don't really think you lose the integrity because you don't, you possibly may not have two teams in the same division. I just think that in general, you want that, you want the best record teams in and whatever that is and how it shakes out after the two division winners. I'm good with that. So, uh, you know, that, that's my thought. I mean, I think everybody has that sentiment as well, especially St. Louis, because it's happened to us. We got we got kind of snubbed from it, but uh, it, it can be improved, and I think it will, and they'll do the right thing. And if it's not, then, hell, we'll just have to win the division next year and, and make it simple. <laughs> hey, Anthony, before we let you go, you were a first-round draft choice, played the first five years of your NFL career with the New York Jets. What do you think of Aaron Rodgers to the Jets? I love it, man. How exciting. I mean, you're talking about uh, arguably one of the best quarterbacks ever played a game. He's still got juice. He's still got fire. He's got several playmakers on his team. You know, he's got his buddy Alan Lazard's back. Brees Hall was the best running back in the NFL yards from scrimmage the first six weeks of the season. Garrett Wilson, a rookie receiver, had over 1,000 yards receiving with three different quarterbacks. 
Uh, listen, there's a lot to like there, and they have a really good defense, defensive-minded head coach. So uh, the pieces are there. They just, if they get there, do they have enough uh, kind of experience and temperament to take it over the top? So it would be interesting to see if it's a more than a year, too. I think that, that would be key. I really don't expect them to get to the Super Bowl. I expect them to really make a nice push and get a lot of buzz and excitement in through the playoffs. But I think it will take a couple more pieces that they'll figure out they'll need acclimation is always important uh and then that second year i think they can really make a big push and a lot of the team is young so they're all under contract so you really don't have to worry about spending money outside of just adding some pieces so and they'll get some more in the draft but i really think that you know they they should be one of the favorites in the afc but i don't know if they're going to beat kansas city i don't know if they're going to be better than them but man it's going to make it interesting and for the fans in new york who uh you know playing on behind and, and have been around them for the last 25 years uh, they've been desperate for, for something like this, and uh, I'm just glad they get an opportunity to get excited and, and see a guy like Aaron Rodgers put a put a, a New York Jet uniform on. Anthony Beck, thanks for your time this year. You've been very generous in helping us out, and congratulations on that great first year, and we're looking forward to 2024 with the Battlehawks. I appreciate you all, man. Thank you. Have a great spring and summer, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, take care. Anthony Beck, head coach of the Battlehawks, with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey and some playoff hockey with our buddy Darren Pang from Valley Sports next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. We head to the Celebrity Line now. We head down to Tampa, Florida, where Darren Pang is getting ready to head to the airport after broadcasting a terrific game last night. Toronto taking a 3-1 lead over Tampa in their series. Toronto winning in overtime last night by a score of 5-4. Panger, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you guys doing this morning? Terrific. And what a terrific series you have. And Tampa Bay with that great championship pedigree. But Toronto, they, they've been waiting for this. They've been, haven't they? They've been waiting for all of their stars to coalesce like they have here in the first four games of this series. Boy, that's a big word this morning. Man, oh, man. <laughs> Come together. How about that? Okay, you you can't you cannot throw that at me here in Tampa Bay. I'm, no, I, yeah, but you're right, Randy. I mean, there's a certain um, you know, there's a certain maybe layer of of skin that's been gathered over the years with a lot of the core players there. Disappointment after disappointment, and uh, you know, I've, I've had a chance the last few days to 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 be around Ryan O'Reilly and see how he is again in the playoffs and how calm he is with you know with it with the circumstances that surround the Toronto Maple Leafs and the pressure that's on them and how they haven't succeeded. And yet here's a guy that goes in there and everybody just reveres Ryan O'Reilly. And, and he's, you know, he's really showed up and played some good hockey for them and, you know, down by three goals and, you know, I mean, keepers trailing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And trailing like, you know, like they have, and then to be able to come back, it, it was actually a pretty exhilarating hockey game. And, and it was, uh, it's fun to be a part of, to be honest with you, and just watch two teams and see how they see how they play, and especially you know broadcasting the Blues and expecting the Blues to be you know you know a playoff team, and having the disappointment of it not happening that way, but still be able to be here and and watch the 
you know, watch two really good teams play. It's, it's really fun, really fun to be a part of. Atmosphere here in Tampa Bay, guys, absolutely outstanding. And then, now I'm going to head to Toronto, and that'll be nuts there. I mean, they, they're probably already – you know, planning the parade over there in Toronto, you know, how excited they get there. Well, Pinger, that's what I was going to ask you about it. It really seems like the former Blues are kind of paying off for Toronto in this situation. You have Noel Chari with the tip in last night, Ryan O'Reilly with two helpers, and they were really key moments for for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What about those two and what they're just adding? And I, I don't know, you, you like to see this for Ryan O'Reilly, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I mean, listen, he's a I think he's staying at his uh, uh, his in-laws' place, uh, just like 20 minutes uh, east of the city, and you know, I mean, grew up in you know in southern Ontario, and uh, but I but I think too, just the the fact that you know you work all your life to to win Stanley Cups, and then you know for Ryan O'Reilly to not win anything, and then and then you know then all of a sudden wins one with us and wins a Conn Smythe, and is looked upon around the league as just. A, you know, again, I'll use the word revered, but that's what it is. Like he walks, he walks on clouds, and whatever he says, however he looks, however he prepares, everybody just looks at him. And because when you've won, that's what you have, and you have that pedigree. And I tell you what, Noel Achari, um, don't underestimate his value to the team as well. I mean, he's he's hitting everything in sight, and I'm between the benches, and he he laid out some guys in front of me. I thought they cracked their ribs, so I'm like, this guy just plays hard every single shift, and yeah, it's really worked out for them. It's been you know, I mean, it's uh, it's great to see. Let's let's face it; they're two good guys, but especially Ryan. I mean, he's closer to all our hearts than you know than Noel is, just because you know he's a winner in St. Louis, and so yeah, it's nice to see for sure. And it's also nice to see a familiar face when you're walking around, and he just acts the same way. Even though the Toronto Maple Leafs are basically a corporate team, I mean, the way they deal with things, I mean, he's still Ryan O'Reilly, and he'll never change, and that's what's great about him. Well, you're talking about hard hits. Did you happen to see that Makar and McCann situation last night with the abs yeah, and Kraken? Did. What did you think about that? He has a hearing today. Makar yeah, does. he does have a hearing. You know, he had a five-minute major, and then they pulled that back, and it was a little surprising, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I know the referees are under heavy scrutiny. Uh, you go on social media and, and what's trending, but the NHL referees. But uh, I will say this, um, and our the supervisor of this series is a veteran referee, Bill McCreary. And I, I sat with Bill a couple of nights ago, and I, I said, you know what, Bill? I don't think it's fair to the referees right now. I think what's happened is the regular season calls and standards are so light and fluffy that how are the referees going to be when they get into this series? Like, these guys, they're playing for their lives. Every kid is – every kid, every block shot, every, you know, uh, every play is just different intensity. And – I don't think it's fair for the referees to go from one standard the way that the NHL has called it and, and then jump right into a seven-game playoff series. So I think it's really been hard for the referees. And and uh, and, and that hit, I, boy, oh, boy, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but you know, it, it, it didn't look very good. Pegger, have you been surprised with how well any team has been playing or conversely how poorly uh, any team has been playing? Oh, sorry, what, what was that, Kerry? I said, have you I been have you been surprised with how well any particular team has been playing or conversely how poorly a particular team has played? Wow. I, I mean, a really good, yeah, really good question there. I think most of it has gone according to plan. Uh, New Jersey coming back and winning two at Madison Square Garden, I'll tell you that. I think that's surprising. I mean, that that's impressive. Losing two at home, uh, young, you know, kind of uh, naive team and then going into Madison Square Garden and tying it up is impressive. Um, I'll, I'll say that, you know, 
the Tampa Bay Lightning squandering leads like they've squandered is, is, is surprising to me. Last night, I thought that was locked down. I thought the series was tied 2-2. Two, two, so, um, so I guess that was a, a surprise for me. Um, and that, that's really about it, to be, to be honest with you. I think a lot of the other games have gone what we expected them to, to go to. Panger, one last thing before we let you go. We, we've talked about Ryan O'Reilly, but Vladdy is when the when the Rangers are going well in their fir- the first two wins, he was the guy that scored the, the first goal. Vladdy seems to be kind of a spark plug for the Rangers. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting to watch uh, Vladdy. Kind of, you know, you're watching the game, and, and uh, I literally take, you know, like notes as I'm watching the game just in case I'm doing that series. And I'm, and it, it could be on a bar napkin. Uh, you know, I don't know, but I, I write down, I'm like, hey, where's Vladdy? Where's Vladdy? Where's Vladdy? Mm-hmm. Where's Vladdy? And then, bang, you get the scoring chance, and you go, oh, there he is. Okay. And that's kind of typical of, of the way Vladdy plays, as we know. He's an opportunistic player. And uh, I think playing with Panarin and, and Trocek, I think there's been some games where they've got great chemistry and other games you, they don't quite – are not in sync. But, uh, you know, all in all, that's, that's what's made him, uh, you know, the, the kind of opportunistic goal scorer that he is. He needs good players around him. He needs to be set up in good spots. And, uh, and when he does, he'll, he'll make you pay. But now the pressure's on New York. Anytime you lose two at home, you know, now it's down to business now. Because I think, I think they're expected to win this, even though New Jersey had more points. I just think the experience and the moves that they made with Kane and, and Vladdy and, and Mikola, I, I think there's higher expectations for a veteran team like them. Panger, safe travels to Toronto, and uh, you, be sure that you have a blocker ahead of you because if Toronto wins tomorrow night, getting out of that building is going to be nearly impossible. Boy, that is a very good point. Really good point. Yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a Mike Palmatier's old mask on or something like that. Or maybe maybe I can borrow one from Cujo. Yeah. There you go. Hey, have a good flight. Thanks, Panger. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, it sounds great, guys. Take care, okay? You too. That's Darren Pang with us from Tampa, getting ready to hop on an airplane for Toronto. And if you didn't see it last night, Tampa was up 4-1 to one in the third period. Toronto comes back to tie the game at four apiece, and then they win it in overtime. And that is a great series. And as great as Toronto has played because of the pedigree of Tampa and because of Vasilevsky between the pipes, if, if, pipes, if they come back and win down 3-1, I won't be surprised by Tampa. You know Tampa. who has good pedigree, too? Who's that? Ryan O'Reilly. Yes, he does. And he's been a di- he's, he's the factor for a reason. And he has been with a franchise, not to the level of Toronto, obviously, but when you haven't won forever, the pressure builds throughout the course of the playoffs, and he's a guy that can ease the minds of a lot of people on that team that have like Panger said, built up a lot of scar tissue over the years. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, it's The Fight on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe. Back to the opening drive. I'm Jerry Davis, and I am joined by Joe Grimsley. It is time for the fight, and our fighter today is Jim. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy? I will try my best. Right. I mean, pulled over. You pulled over. Here we go. All right, safety first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Adam Wainwright finished second in the NL Cy Young Award voting twice. Roy Holiday won it over him in 2010, but which pitcher beat him out in the two, for the 2013 award? Was it Jose Fernandez, Clayton Kershaw, or Madison Bumgarner? Clayton Kershaw. Happy birthday to friend of the show, Joe Buck. Joe was on the call for this iconic moment, eventually dubbed the Minneapolis Miracle. Steps into it, passes, caught, digs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable, Vikings win it! Which team did the Vikings beat in that 2018 divisional playoff game? Was it the Saints, the Los Angeles Rams, or the Green Bay Packers? Packers. Happy birthday to the big fundamental Tim Duncan. Which U.S. territory is Duncan from? Is it Guam, Puerto Rico, or the U.S. Virgin Islands? Uh, Virgin Islands. Last night, LeBron put up a 20-point, 20-rebound performance. Who was the last Laker to put up a 20-20 game in the playoffs prior to LeBron? Is it Andrew Bynum, Paul Gasol, or Shaquille O'Neal? Paul. All right, we will double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Jim, how you feeling? I'm doing okay. You're doing okay, just okay. Not uh, not great, not good. Just kind of. Uh. Just yeah, just good. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, well, you know, we'll see how how that works out for you. Uh, Randy is coming in. We're we're grabbing Randy Carricker. We we had to go find him in the hallways <laughs> of Hubbard Radio. What's the color profile he's got? And uh, when it's late at night to do a Redbird report, so is, it was requested of me that I provide a Redbird report oh. for our station today, so I was recording that. Oh, okay. Well, glad you made it That's back in time. Thank Booked you. and yeah. busy. Yeah. yeah. Booked and busy, yeah. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Jim. Jim, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good morning to you, too. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Uh, and who did we... Uh, uh, Tony. Tony. Okay. We'll get Tony, 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 Tony back this week for a second round. That's completely my fault. I even made a note on the show yesterday. Just completely, completely so, brain farted on that Tony, one. Tony, my apologies. Our apologies. We'll do better. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Adam Wainwright has finished second in the NL Cy Young Award voting twice. Roy Halladay won it over him 2010. But which pitcher beat him out for the 2013 award? 2013. Halladay won in 2010, huh? 2013 Cy Young Award winner. I am going to go 
I think logic prevailing here would say Clayton Kershaw at that time. Um, Halliday and Carp were finished by then. Cardinals pitched or played in the 2013 World Series. They played the Giants. Um, or in the uh, or they played the Red Sox. Who they beat in the? I'm going to go with Kershaw. Happy birthday to friend of the show, Joe Buck. Joe was on the call for this iconic moment, eventually dubbed the Minneapolis Miracle. Steps into it, passes, caught, digs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable, Vikings win it. Which team did the Vikings beat in that 2018 divisional playoff game? I think that was the unfortunate New Orleans Saints, who lost a lot of last play and the last-minute playoff games. That horrible pass interference call against the Rams. I think they, like, four years in a row, they had, like, walk-off losses in the playoffs. You don't like it play better, right? Yep, I know. Happy birthday to the big fundamental, Tim Duncan. Which U.S. territory is Duncan from? Uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. Last night, LeBron put up a 20-point, 20-rebound performance. Who is the last Laker to put up a 20-20 game in the playoffs prior to LeBron? Hmm. I'll do the lifeline, Brooke. Andrew Bynum, Paul Gasol, Shaquille O'Neal. Ooh. You know, Andrew Bynum had some playoffs for them. I'm going to say that... uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Even though the logical choice would be Shaq, I'm gonna go Andrew Bynum. This is a close fight today. Did the logical choice at the end for Randy Carricker make or break this fight? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Jim. Randy Carricker got three out of four. He beat you three to two today. Well, I tried. You did really good. It was a tough fight today, and two's nothing to be ashamed of. Let's go through those answers. Adam Wainwright has finished second in the NL Cy Young Award voting. Roy Holiday beat him in 2010. It was Clayton Kershaw who beat him out in 2013. Happy birthday to the friend of the show, Joe Buck. He's been on a lot of iconic calls, but the one you heard has been dubbed the Minneapolis Miracle. Kirk Cousins to Stephen Diggs to beat the New Orleans Saints in the 2018 Divisional Playoff Game. Happy birthday to the big fundamental, Tim Duncan. He is from the U.S. Virgin Islands when he was quite the swimmer before he became a basketball player. And last night, LeBron put up a 20.20 rebound performance. The last Laker to do that was the logical answer. Shaquille O'Neal, mm. the last Laker to put up 20-20. I thought my uh, Pau Gasol um, homerism might have uh, tricked you to going into that one, Randy Carricker. But nonetheless, you still got enough. It's a 3-2 win for Randy Carricker. Jim, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good day. You too. Thank man. you. <laughs> and and Tony would have gotten all four today, right? And Tony's going to be on tomorrow. <laughs> because oh, that's my fault 100%. Very sorry, Tony. I'm very sorry, Tony. We'll get you on tomorrow, I promise. Definitely thought the answer would be Pau Gasol, seeing as how uh, <laughs> Roth thinks he's better than Kobe. Yeah, the best player of all time. Literally not. The best okay. Laker, yep. in, in like he's yep. like top three in yep. your Laker history. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, Kobe is like eight in Laker history, according to Rock. 
maddening. In Lakers history. Kareem. Oh, don't Shaq. do that. You, I will make you get out. <laughs> James Worthy, oh, Elgin Baylor, go. Jerry West. <laughs> uh, so that's go. five right there. Um, Will Chamberlain, obviously. That's six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. LeBron. Uh, LeBron's yeah. in. No, no, not as a Laker. Get out of here. Not that crazy. Well, I can't believe you hold that against me. I am going to hold that against you for, for <laughs> in perpetuity. By the way, I almost the Joe Buck question. I almost used the um, that is a, that is a that is a disgusting act from from uh-huh. Randy Moss. Uh-huh. But I tried to get one more positive out there. That's good. Good. <laughs> yeah. So we just uh, I just sent Joe a happy birthday text. As a matter of fact, telling him he was a fight question. I, I think guys in St. Louis wind up being fight questions. I sent the Spurs an email, but they won't give me Tim Duncan's fo- uh, phone number to, to wish him sure. happy birthday, and I, I don't see why not. I'm just trying I mean, to be kind. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, get him on the line. The reason that he wound up having he... the career that he did is because St. Louis U didn't beat him in the NCAA tournament. He would not have never been the big fundamental. He probably wouldn't even been, even been drafted in the first round if it wasn't for that game against SLU. Amazing how life works out. Yeah. You know, the seven-footer. So he should be thanking St. Louis. The seven-footer with like really good post moves. Probably still would have tumbled a little bit. Maybe the Celtics yeah. would have been a lot better if, if they could have if he could have fallen to them. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair instead enough. of the Spurs, we wouldn't have that dynasty that they had down there in San Antonio. That's right. Hey, we have some fun stuff coming up for St. Louis City SC over the course of the next few weeks, and it starts tonight. We're going to talk to their sporting director, our friend Lutz Fonensteel, about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away, and it's an equalizer. In a word, chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus, who collects it on down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Losing Klaus, we lose a little bit of the structure. Giochini goes up to the lone striker. You know, how do we operate now? Who's the 10? Thomas Ostrak, we had to change the formation a little bit. So, you know, we manipulated it within 12, 15 minutes. We, we went like three different formations just based on what they were trying to do. You know, and, and key was to operate as a compact unit and a compact block. That's St. Louis City SC head coach Bradley Carnell on the loss of Zhao Klaus. He'll be out for 10 to 14 days. And we're going to talk about that with Lutz Fonensteel. He's the sporting director of St. Louis City SC. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker with you. And joining us now on the Celebrity Line is Lutz Fonensteel. Lutz, great to have you with us. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. All good. How are you guys? Everything's terrific. And you guys are going to step out of the regular MLS schedule tonight with the U.S. Open Cup match against Union Omaha. Still some tickets available for that 7 o'clock game at uh, at City Park. Tell us how the U.S. Open Cup uh, A works and B benefits St. Louis City SC. Yeah, it's a knockout competition, which always makes it very interesting. The MLS team's taking part uh, Then the USL championships, USL 1 teams, and also some smaller teams can qualify. So it starts uh, much earlier in the season, and now we're already coming into a later round where the MLS team's having their entrance. And yeah, I know it's a, it's a very uh, traditional, old, uh, um, yeah, honorable competition where you can win silverware. Uh, it's it's always, uh, I think, a nice uh, yeah, breath of fresh air to, to play, not in an MLS, but in another competition where you can give other players who don't get all the minutes a run and, uh, and and get valuable minutes out there. But still, of course, uh, if you compete, you want to win. 
Well, and as we heard in the open there, Carnell saying that Zhao Klaus will be out 10 to 14 days, obviously a huge loss for City SC. How do you guys replace him or at least put in a couple of guys that can replace him? You know, it's, uh, we always said uh, it, it's not just about one player. And uh, if we are not able to uh, compensate for, for one player who is out, then we simply did a bad job and we're not the good team. Uh, that, that's simple as I see it. So I think uh, uh, Klaus, of course, is very important. And if he's around and if he's fit, it's great. But if not, we have six, seven other guys who need to step up, who can step in and do a similar job. Um, and I think uh, today is a great way, actually, uh, open it up with an Open Cup game. Uh, but also coming up for the Portland game on the weekend, we just can't uh, rely only on Klaus. Uh, you know, that would be a massive problem. You all had a draw in your last game. Uh, Roman Berkey was, I think, a little bit frustrated with, you know, not finishing the game. What do you say to your team when, you, when you're up and have an opportunity to win it, but you just don't finish it in the manner in which you need to uh, to close it out? You know, it was one of these games where um, you somehow don't know if you should smile or cry about it because <laughs> the, the first half I thought uh, we didn't play a good game. Uh, I thought that Colorado was the better team. They should have been up. The second half, however, once we took the lead, we had enough opportunities to, to actually close the game. And in the end, uh, of course, with the altitude and, and with the game, the way it was played, they came again at us. And, I mean, Roman was standing on his head. He was absolutely fantastic. And then conceding uh, after the 90th minute in extra time, the added time, uh, that's always, you know, it just, yeah, it, it, it's annoying. It hurts you a little bit. And um, I think if you look at the whole game, the point was something we could live with. It was actually a point we, we, we won. But uh, the way uh, conceding so late, it felt a little bit like a loss and we were disappointed. But looking at the table, and looking at the teams who also dropped points uh, or didn't win away to Colorado, I think uh, I think we are perfectly fine with that point. Coming up on Saturday night, Portland will be in town for a match against St. Louis City SC. Lutz, how has the approach of the opposition changed from match one for your team to the, the match against Colorado the other night? Has, has the way teams play against St. Louis City SC changed? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they they scouting us, they're watching us, they know now a little bit more, uh, you know, how we do it and what we do. And there is definitely always a certain, you know, against every every uh, little illness, there's a, there's a medicine. And, and that's the same way in, in, in tactic when it comes to football. So uh, it's, it's just like that. They're trying to figure out how to play the best against us. They're trying to figure out how, how they can hurt us or how to actually limit the chances we have. And um, I think Colorado was a good example. They played it tactically really well. But Saturday is a completely different ball game. I think, uh, you know, it's a home game for us. So uh, it will be a different atmosphere. Uh, we will have, again, a big crowd behind us. Uh, we know Portland. We played them already uh, away. Um, they got a few players back from injury now, so it will be a better Portland team than we saw in Portland. But again, uh, this league is so is so tight. Uh, I have the feeling that everybody can beat everybody. Uh, it just really comes down to the form. And uh, we know we want to just uh, keep on what we're doing. We want to hustle. We want to fight. And and Portland is a a great opportunity. But it's a team who is not in in perfect shape, but they're always dangerous and they just beat Seattle like two weeks ago. So we know what that means and, yeah, looking forward for that one. 
Well, a guy that I kind of see that's stepping up lately and it seems to really be hustling, you can point to a couple of guys, but one that I've been looking at in particular is Rasmus Alm. It seems like he's been really stepping up, getting more minutes since coming back in here. And he was re- it was a third straight game that he was responsible for a goal. What have you seen from his play lately? Yeah, I mean, again, as you said, right? Uh, he was he was very good in Colorado. You know, he's he's very dangerous. He's very fast. Uh, he somehow fits exactly the playing style of what we have. And um, so far, um, he, he was out for two games, and we lost his two games. So um, that shows what an important player he is. Um, yeah, I mean, he still gets used to certain things. You know, uh, he only came in in January. And most of the other guys were already here last year uh, who joined us in the next pro. So uh, the, the 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 period of getting used to everything is now slowly coming to an end as well. But yeah, he's he's doing well, and and I think he can play a major role uh, in the next years here in the Lutz. Luz, this is a little bit of a busy stretch for you all. You all played on Saturday, you play again today, and then you play again uh, next Saturday. How do you uh, manage the team and how much workload you give them during the week to make sure that you're prepared for your league game on league play on on Saturday? Yeah, I think we, you know, we need to be aware that obviously the league is our our bread and butter. The league is the most important thing for us, um, and um, we need to have some rotations. Uh, that that's normal. Uh, the way we play is physically very demanding. If you're looking at our workloads during the game, the high speed runs, the sprints, so or generally the miles we're running, it's uh, some of the highest in the league. So we know that we, we we play a very physical game. That's why an open cup game in midweek definitely would hurt you if you don't rotate. But we do have a big squad. We have a squad when you're looking at the last, at the, well, the, the first nine games in the league. Every time our sub came on, they they had a really good impact. And um, you know, today it's a, I think it's a good mixed team where players can show themselves, uh, but also yeah, somehow manage the loads, manage the minutes, and be ready for Saturday. And Lutz, uh, some of your really young players, Glover, has not seen much time. Um, Miguel Perez, is there a chance that we'll see some of those players tonight against uh, Omaha? Yeah, there's there's always a chance, (laughs) for sure. Um, You know, uh, also now, obviously, with with, with Klaus being out for, for a few days, I mean, that's also opportunities now for youngsters, also Caden Glover, which uh, sooner or later will get his opportunities. Miggy, Miggy always uh, features uh, at, at some stage in the games. So, yeah, uh, definitely, you know, the, the, the strategy to, to give local talent opportunities that has not changed and that will not change uh, regardless if we lose a few, win a few, or draw a few. Uh, that is the big goal we have, that we give local guys, our academy guys, an opportunity sooner or later to get into exactly that first-team stadium and, and play professional football here. I think that's a, a big reason why we actually exist as a, as a club, and that's what we're all working for. Lutz, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it this morning. Good luck tonight, and then good luck Saturday against Portland. Thank you very much. Thank you. Lutz Fonin, still, still tickets available, by the way. Just go to the website, STL City SC, and you can get tickets over at City Park tonight. 7 o'clock game should be a beautiful day for St. Louis City SC and their Union Cup match against Union Omaha that starts at 7 o'clock. We're going to take some mic drops coming up at 9.15. A lot of texts today about the Cardinals and where they are in the standings and whether or not this is an indication of where they'll finish in the standings. So we'd like to hear from you. Just grab your phone and open up the 101 ESPN app and you can leave us a mic drop. We're going to do that at 9.15. Coming up next, however, we've got our Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. In St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and we do want your mic drops for our next segment. We want to know how you're feeling about the Cardinals as they struggle through the month of April. Last night, Alex Cobb pitched his first shutout in 11 years. J.D. Davis hit a three-run homer, leading the Giants to a 4-0 win over the Cardinals in the opener of a four-game series. That makes the Cardinals 0-8 in series openers so far in 2023. That is not a very good statistic. If you want to sweep series, ordinarily what you have to do, and I'm not a mathematician, kids, but ordinarily what you want to do if you want to sweep a series is win the first game. Generally. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's maybe the only way to sweep a series is to <laughs> win the so. first game. <laughs> and, and something else I learned today, mm-hmm. the only way to win a game is to score runs. That is true. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You got to do that. Yeah, six hits, uh, and the, the Cardinals lose 4-0. And Paul Goldschmidt, who did have a hit last night, was asked if it feels like the Cardinals haven't been able to put it together yet. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, when you're losing, of course you're not putting it all together. So, um, you know, we're trying to do that, and we'll continue to try to do that, and you know, we'll go out tomorrow and try to play well. Hopefully they can play well tonight. Hopefully they can. Uh, Randy, you asked uh, what the texters are feeling. I'm going to read a text from the 618. What kind of crack are you guys smoking? I want some. There's no way this team is going to win 94 games. The pitching alone will give up 94 games. We We just lost to the Giants. Don't give me the West Coast BS. This is they've been in Seattle. Well, that that person very well could be right. I don't think we're smoking crack. No. I don't no, think you want some either. I, will I be surprised if the Cardinals win 94 games? No, I won't. I would be surprised. I would be frustrated if they win 94 games because if they win 94, that means they could have won 100 because you mm-hmm. let games slip away early in the season. You you look at the, the, the schedule and you can find – you'll find six games here in the first 25, 30 games that you'll say we should have won those games. And, again, maybe you win – 86 games and you could have won 92 and and that puts you in a differential from from being a wild card mm-hmm. or being out of the playoffs. That's why it's so important for me that they take care of business and win more than they're losing at this point. Well, yeah, because at this point you've yet to see any consistent play it feels like because now we're having the starting pitching trending in the right direction that was the biggest issue that we were really talking about it felt like at the beginning of the season is wow this starting pitching you see you should have gone out and got a better starting pitcher now the guys are somewhat trending in the right direction that was a great game by Jordan Montgomery you're looking at energy shifts in the game that was a great energy shift by Jordan Montgomery after getting through that first inning that looked a little scary at first he labored 
through like 31 pitches. But after that, he really settled in, gave the offense enough of a chance to do what they should be doing. Because we know and we knew going into the season, offense is what the Cardinals were really kind of hanging their hat on. That is what was supposed to help them win games. It was supposed to help out, help bail out the starting pitching or just the pitching staff in general. And for your offense to get shut down by Alex Cobb, maybe he's fantastic. It's the first time he's done this in a decade. Uh, not trying to take anything away from him. But at the same time, it felt like they the hitters made it too easy on him. Right? Did you feel like that in certain yes. ways? Yeah. And here's the other thing that I'm just trying to figure out, too, with this team, is that it feels like the losses are not close in these games a lot of the times. It feels like there was an inning or two where things just really unravel and you just know the game is gone by that point for the Cardinals. Like, any Miles Michaelis start so far? <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. And it does get away. Last night got away in a hurry. They take Montgomery out. They bring Verhagen in. All of a sudden, bing, bang, boom. J.D. Davis hits a three-run homer. And a one nothing deficit turns into a 4 nothing deficit. Uh, unearned runs. But still, things do tend to, to get away from the Cardinals. And they, they have not played really clean baseball yet. And that's, as a Cardinal fan, that's my hope is that as is ordinarily the case when the Cardinals play seasons, that they get better as the season goes along. They have historically been a big picture second half team. Hopefully they haven't forgotten that. For me, it's it's going to continue to be, you know, runners in scoring position. They had a situation there in the fifth inning where you got bases loaded and you don't get anything out of it. You had two runners on with, with one out. You don't get anything out of those situations. And, and the team was 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position yesterday. You're not, I mean, clearly you're not going to win games if you don't get runners across the plate when they're in scoring position, second and third. You got to get those guys home. And and whether it's a sacrifice fly, whether it's hitting the ball to the right side of the infield, they did that a couple of times yesterday. But you got to get guys home when they're in scoring position. I've always heard, Kerry, that when you're facing Alex Cobb, you got to get to him early because he buckles <laughs> down. And then all of a sudden you just – I mean, there, there's Bob Gibson and then Alex Cobb. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I can see where you where, – how, how you put those two – link those two together. He's had one shutout prior to last night in his yeah, career. 11 years ago. The yeah. Cardinals have been shut out how many times this season through 28 games? Three? Is it three? Seems like it, yeah. So for for an offense that's supposed to help yeah, you win to, games. supposed to be great. So the Cardinals will play tonight. They get to face their old gen- friend, John Brebbia. He'll be opposed by Jake Woodford of the Cardinals, and that's another 845 start. And you can see it on Valley Sports with Chip Carey and with Brad Thompson. Meanwhile, also yesterday, Aaron Rodgers was finally traded to the New York Jets. So here's the trade. Rodgers goes to New York along with the 15th pick in Thursday's draft and the 170th pick. The Packers get number 13 overall, so they move up two spots in the first round. They also move up to number 42, so they get to pick in the second round. That's the 170 pick. And then they get the an additional pick, number 207, which is in the fifth. And then the big thing for the Packers is that they get a 2024 second rounder that converts to a first rounder if Rodgers plays 65% of the Jets plays next season. There's only been one season in his, in his career with the Packers where he didn't play 65. So 65% of the plays. So odds are that the Packers get basically an extra number two and a number one in exchange for their 39-year-old quarterback. But that number one will be based off of uh, New York's record 
for next season, correct? So no, just the, the percentage of plays that he has. Yeah, but I'm saying the number one, the number oh, one right, pick yeah. will where, be based where on where. Yeah. So if they are a playoff team, it should be a twenty to twenty-eight number of picks. So it's it's not you're not losing that much if you're the Green Bay, if you're the Jets. You're you're you actually. I think they actually won this trade and they got what they wanted. You're going to get a quarterback. It's going to be for a couple of years. You're going to have to revisit this still with a young core in a couple of years trying to figure out who's going to be your quarterback. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not too too disappointed with what the Jets did. And, and I think they put themselves in a position to, to have some success in that AFC East. And I'll tell you what, here's how long it's been since the Jets have been in the Super Bowl. The Jets-Colts in 1969 – that's the first sporting event I remember watching. Really? Yeah, and yeah. I'm old. The, the first sporting event I remember watching was Joe Namath beating Johnny Unitas and, wow. and the Colts wow. in, the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl three. So it has been a minute. So there's pressure in New York to make it to a Super Bowl. I was just thinking about what my first ever. Do you remember? It? Do you remember, remember the first sporting event you ever watched? The first sporting event I ever remember watching was the uh, Packers Broncos Super Bowl. The John, no, that wasn't the John Elway. It was the so it was the one where they let him score at the end, right? Yeah. Packers, okay. Yeah. I feel like mine was the 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 Cardinals World Series in '85. Uh huh. I feel like that was that the I would I was four. Yep. But yep. that that seems memorable to me. I remember specifically, well, a lot of things with the Titans, but the lateral pass. It was like a huge, and I and I don't I can't remember if it was just more of like just everybody talking about it yeah. a lot, but I just remember that being like something that was watched over and over mm-hmm. and over again by many in Tennessee. Isn't that amazing how you can see that in your mind's eye, mm-hmm. the, like that very first thing <laughs> that, that you remember. Meanwhile, Brian Gutekunst, the Packers general manager, talked about why trading Rodgers is the best thing for the Pack. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke and Carrie, I'm Randy. Matthew is here, and we do appreciate you. Joining us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and we want to hear from you. The Cardinals obviously scuffling early on in the season, and a lot, and the consternation is great because we're so passionate about it, but we do have a lot of consternation about the the start of the Redbirds, and we ask for your mic drops. Just use the 101 ESPN app, and let's hear from Aaron first. Hey, Uncle Randy, can you tell us the story about when the Cardinals were god-awful? And they missed the playoffs in 2023 because that's what is happening right now. And you you spouted off and you're like, oh, Verhagen, he's going to be good this year. No, he's garbage. Oh, Paul DeYoung, he's batting 750. Uh, he went 0 for 3 last night in a pathetic performance. I'm tired of this, dude. I am really, really tired as a Cardinal fan. Sit, I want to sit down. I want to watch my team. I want to watch a win. I want to watch a team that wants to play. This team is dead. Uh, you done messed up, A-A-Ron. <laughs> A-A-Ron. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's start with this. I th- think that most teams, and we aren't all completely rational here, but if you have a middle-of-the-bullpen guy like and Verhagen was terrible last night, but most relief, well, every reliever 
is going to have their bad nights. Uh, he is he, his role is to be what it was last night. Should Montgomery have been taken out of the game? Debatable. I would not have taken Montgomery out of the game, but I wouldn't go so far as to call any human being garbage, uh, which you just did with Drew Drew Verhagen. But Drew Drew Verhagen is a serviceable major league pitcher. Is he great? No, but is he serviceable? Yes. Uh, Paul DeYoung. Fact of the matter was, Paul DeYoung was hitting 750 heading into last night's game. Okay, you don't like the fact that Paul DeYoung uh, did what he did last night. Well, let me tell you something, A.A. Ron. Uh, Paul DeYoung is batting 429 with an OPS of 1.286. So don't be, don't don't be pooping on my guy Paul DeYoung because he's got a 1.286. Oh God! Come on, what? Randy. What? What? We got a text from the 314. It says, uh, "Is Randy having we with Willie?" <laughs> I don't know. Here's the thing: Where do we draw the line for small sample size? I, I, two, I, games? I, two games, twenty-three, twenty-three games is, is, is twenty-three very, games. I, I can I can find you a twenty-three game stretch where Albert Pujols hit two twenty. So is Albert Pujols was for his career? Is that what you're going to judge him on? Are you comparing Paul DeYoung to Albert Pujols? No, I'm, just, I'm saying the twenty-three <laughs> games of the Cardinals. Mm, okay. So it's it's like we completely forget that last year the Philadelphia Phillies fired their manager. They did. We don't. We, we're not. We're not. There, yeah. I mean, we're not. We're not. Where, where were they in October? They were. They were playing for a championship. So in the playoffs, that's the they short were. attention span theater I'm talking about. I think the the issue is with Aaron is what he's saying is he wants to sit down, watch his Cardinals play, and be competitive in games. You mm-hmm. want to see timely hitting. You want to see. Runners in scoring position, guys coming across and actually scoring. You want to see those moments that get you out of your seat and get you excited. You 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 liked, you know, you didn't like uh, Montgomery getting in a jam in the first inning, but you love him getting out of that jam, and and that gets you excited. And it gives you, Brooke has said it all day, the the transfer of energy that should have came from that mound into the dugout when when Montgomery came in there. There was multiple occasions where you have an opportunity with runners in scoring position six mm-hmm. times and you didn't get them across. I think that's what the, the, the fans are are clamoring for. Excitement. Give us something that we can say, all right, when can we have the pitching and the hitting play both their best games at the same time and then you'll see how good this team can be. I get it. But at the same time, I, I'm looking more big picture. Our great friend Bob Ramsey has a great statement. As uh, He's an SEC football honk, Rammer is. And he says, as an SEC booster says, the fun is in the winning. <laughs> and at the end of the season, if, if you can remember what happened on April 24th of 2011, and you think that was what the judgment of that season was rather than October 28th, then I, I, I think you have an issue. I disagree, though. I, and so here's you, why. Don't, you, you don't I, think no. the freeze game was as big a deal as April I, 24th no, of that year? No, I, I do think, obviously, that, but that's a moment. That's, that's one moment in one game. And here's the difference. When you are playing an entire season— you can't just say, oh, we'll worry about it on the back end because in the back end, you might be too far behind to, to, to catch up. Every baseball team in history has done that. So why did it change? 
not every. I mean, some teams actually play well in the beginning of the year, and it extends throughout the entirety of the season, and which is why you have teams winning 100 games, winning 90-plus games, and having success and making it to, into the playoffs and having playoff runs. And a 100-plus win team doesn't guarantee you're going to win a championship, but a 100-plus but, but team guaranteed, guarantees you to be in the playoffs. Right. So you you gotta you got to be able to do that. So there's... To me, in this town, that's the the biggest issue. An inordinate amount of disrespect for how much the Cardinals have made the playoffs. And the knowledge that they have, and we all think that we can be a general manager. They seem to be doing something right because they've been in the playoffs in 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 19, 20, 21, 22. I mean, they do make the playoffs pretty much. I, I, we, we are in agreement. But, in fact, but people are going to remember what happens most recently yeah, April and getting 24th. knocked out yeah. of that too, but also getting knocked out of the first round. I think you can understand at least a little bit of why people would be upset and also worried because what was happening last season, offense going stale, not being consistent. That was happening towards the end of the second half. Right. And especially in the playoffs, what happened to the offense during the playoffs, that first round? silent and then early on the season inconsistent play being shut out three times early on in the season is concerning especially when you didn't go out and getting started pitcher a starting pitcher I, you, and a big I, I name thought about and that then a lot. You, yeah you think of how much better they would be if they had <laughs> brought back Quintana and signed Verlander think of how much better off they'd be right now I think they would be better they would yeah. there's no doubt Except for those guys haven't pitched yet. Oh, well. well, they wouldn't have been in. <laughs> well, Quintana uh, wouldn't have been injured. But they here's the thing: <laughs> they wouldn't have been injured as Cardinal pitchers. Of course not. Of course not. If it, it just would, if it would have played out that way, I'll just say one last little thing. One last little thing. If it, the offense is inconsistent, you want to see more aggressive at bats. You know what's not aggressive is swinging at the first pitch. Or not swinging at the first. Or not pitch. swinging. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just sometimes there's. You're just wanting these guys to be more aggressive, and it feels like that's just not happening in a lot of ways. I agree with you there. Let's get to Mark, who's got a mic drop with us on 101 ESPN. I just want to say about the Cardinals, I feel like there's no chemistry in this team right now. And maybe missing Skip Schumacher a little bit. Maybe that is the key. Uh, I think Ali might have somebody to lean on, and now he has to make a lot of decisions on his own. Um, I think that could be a concern. Thank you. They had a ton of chemistry in 1983, and a couple of guys went into rehab and another got traded. <laughs> oh, God. I, think, I, I don't think that's the type of chemistry that Mark was. Oh. That's a different. Uh, they were doing something different there. They, they, okay, sorry. Some, they were having fun, clearly. Yeah, too much fun. There, there, there's a line. Do not step over it if you're a professional athlete, or, or, or really anyone. I think Brooks spoke to this earlier as well. Watching them in the dugout, they don't look like when they last season, Pepper Grind. They they got to find something that mm-hmm. that gets them, you know, back into the game and gets them back excited about being uh, a, a part of. I mean, they remember they did the salsa some years ago, and and you know, you you have those little nuances that are inside jokes as a team that you you all. You start to share with everyone else. It, it's they got to find something that gets their mojo going. And this is a group that one thing the Cardinals collect 
is what used to be called, it's not anymore, but briefcase and Wall Street Journal guys. And the Yankees used to be loaded with briefcase and Wall Street Journal guys, but there wasn't an awful lot of fun. And Newt Bar does bring fun. I think it's ironic that the guy that the Cardinals miss in that regard, as far as I'm concerned, when I watch the dugout, it's Albert Pujols. Hmm. He brought it last year. He was always laughing. He was always the first guy out cheering somebody on when somebody did something good. And there is not a lot of that. And I think that is when Goldie is your main guy, he's not the most... He's not the biggest cheerleader guy. And by the way, I think that that's another aspect to having Adam Wainwright back in the bull, in the in the dugout this week. It will uh, he'll provide some of that. But they they're young players. Newt Bar, Brendan Donovan. I mean, if you got the hair, you got to put on the show, right? So you, their young guys need to provide that energy that you're talking about. You're saying Donovan needs to put on a show because of his hair? Anybody who has long hair needs to have that hair flow. You You're wanting you a Harrison Bader yeah, like yep, hair flip yep, moment yep. sponsored by Pantene or something like that. Bingo. Bro. Oh, okay. Yeah, you there you go. It, it does seem like they're they're lacking some of that energy because even as we were talking about earlier, just even in their at bats, just their approaches to things, it seems like they're lacking some of that maybe confidence. You're even seeing with Nolan Arenado. We know that that's a guy that can turn things around, and we know that he can get hot and. It's Nolan Arenado, but even his confidence looks like lately has mm-hmm. been lacking at the plate. Yeah, and he he need, that's confidence at the plate. That is, I talk a lot about process versus event. That in a, is an event. He hits one out of the ballpark, and then all of a sudden everything changes. Let's get to Rick with one more mic drop with us on 101 ESPN. Or maybe not. Do we, we do. When are, are we going to see Marmol be more aggressive, and take control of his offense. We never see him attempting a bunt, although last night Alec Burlickson did. He probably did it on his own. No hit and runs. We never see him steal. We never see him put the opponent's defense on edge. It's these kind of things that will ignite an offense and get a team moving. For two years now, all we see is Marmol sitting on his hands. It's like he's afraid that if he runs into an out, he's going to lose his job. Brooke and Kerry, I believe this is an organizational philosophy that may have gotten Mike Schilt fired, as a matter of fact. What you're talking about, Rick, is I, I don't – I think the Cardinals have placed such value on the old, well, we only have 27 outs, that they're, they're paralyzed by the thought of losing an out by being aggressive. So if, if – if you think it's an organizational kind of concept and philosophy, that would mean that that Ali is going to do what the organization does. And if you are the manager and it's not w- working well and you're doing it the way your bosses want to do it, you know what you do? If it's me, I just sit on my hands and just watch because <laughs> this ain't me running it. This is your mm-hmm. idea. This is what you want. And it's not happening in the way that you want it to happen. If that's what's going on now if there is some some leeway to to make those decisions, hit and runs and things of that nature, then it needs to be done. There there need I, I do agree with Rick to a degree. You have to get moving on the base paths. You got bigger bases. You got close. I mean, it's it's things have opened up for more athletic players and more athletic teams to be more successful. You got to do some things. You gotta you gotta try something out. When you're scuffling and not scoring runs and not having success offensively, you got to do something different. If not, you're gonna get the same results. Pittsburgh has 25 stolen bases. They lead the division. The Cubs have 24 stolen bases. The Yankees have 23. Uh, the Diamondbacks have 21. They're playing very well. The Mets are up there. They have 21 stolen bases. Cardinals have 15. And 
I would like to see them run more. Hey, thank you very much for your mic drops. That was fun. Appreciate you joining us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Mike Claiborne. He'll tell us what's wrong next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We go to the celebrity line. Mike Claiborne joins us from Claibs Online. He is in San Francisco with the Cardinals. He's been on the whole trip. Michael, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's it's early out here, but, you know, it's all good. I'm just waiting on it to warm up a little bit. Uh, Seattle was brutal as far as the weather was concerned. And San Francisco, you know, it, it makes no difference what the, the calendar says. It's always <laughs> cold and windy here. Yeah. I, the old line was, I, I spent a winter one day in, in during a summer in San Francisco. Claibs, uh, <laughs> you got to tell us a story about getting the pepper grinder for Newt Bar. All right. So we... So um, the radio and TV guys, we all went to dinner, a um, place called Salty's. And John Rooney, we, we knew it well, so we decided to go with him. So we're sitting there, and they come out, and can, would you like some ground pepper? So, so you know, John said, yeah, sure. This guy pulls out a, a grinder about the size of a fungo baseball bat. <laughs> I'd never seen one. And John and I just looked at each other and said, we got to get one of these. And so uh, we went to the manager. The manager's like, you, you're kidding. You really want to buy one of these? Yeah, sure. So we bought it. Uh, all of us autographed it and presented it to Newt. And uh, he got a big kick out of it because I said, now, now, how are you going to get that on the plane? <laughs> and this is time to figure that out. I don't know how it got to, it got to San, uh, San Francisco, but I saw it the other, yesterday. But, uh, you know, he had a good time. It was a fun trip for him. He had a chance to meet Ichiro on the same day. So uh, that's that's how I got started. Uh, I think we're going to have to use it as a as a as a new bat here at, at some point because we didn't have much going last night. But yeah, it was a fun time. We're just trying to keep it loose. Well, and that that kind of plays into what I was going to ask you. It seems like, especially if you look at last night's game, that the guys are kind of lacking some discipline at the plate. You would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive at times and. We know that this offense is really good. We know how talented this lineup is, but to be shut out in that way last night was really, really disappointing. What can you say about this offense, and what do you feel like is the identity of this group right now? Because it seems like they're even struggling to find an identity for this offense and group. Yeah, you're right, Brooke. Uh, I think two things. One, when Arnold and Goldschmidt aren't hitting, we're a whole different ball club. That's the first thing. Secondly, last night, um, their pitcher, he was throwing that split-finger fastball, and, you know, we just kept hitting it into the ground. And, you know, it's it's a tempting pitch. If you don't swing at it, it's probably not a strike in most cases. But it's so tempting, you, you try to swing at it, and all you do is just hit it in the ground. And, you know, he had our number last night. And some nights you just have to tip your cap to the other guy because, you know, they pay him a lot of money to do his job also, and he did it last night. Claves, what what do you think the best outfield lineup for this team is right now? Is it is it Walker, Newt, and and whoever else, or is it? Do you see any any other uh, three that could be out there that is going to give the Cardinals the best opportunity, both in the field and at the plate? Well, see that that's the trick there. You know, what's your best defensive outfield opposed to your best offensive lot, uh, outfield? Um, I like Walker, Carlson, and Newt Bar. Um, I, I like that lineup a little bit more. Uh, O'Neal, you know, I know he's going to go glove, and he, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, 
But, you know, that's the lineup I would try and start with because I think I'm a little bit – I'm covered a little bit better defensively, and I think offensively I, I may not have as many strikeouts in that order. Now, granted, having said that, you know, Walker's fighting it a little bit, and and I, I think we expected him to because, you know, spring training is one thing. You know, regular season, when they have a chance to game plan for you, uh, it's a different ball game. So how do you adjust it with that? That's what he's going through now, making those adjustments and, and kind of anticipating what they're doing and how do you counter it. Hey, Claves, uh, the Cardinals have gone down the line with Carlson. You mentioned him and that you'd like to see him uh, because of his defensive abilities, I'm sure, first and foremost. But as you watch him, we always talk about switch hitters who can't hit from one side or the other. He really struggles left-handed. I I wonder if it might benefit him to just abandon switch hitting for a while. Well, you know, that's been discussed before. Um, It's something that you have to take a long, hard look at. And the reason why, if you say, all right, give up swinging from the left side, so now he's got to be able to be able to recognize pitches from the right side that he normally wouldn't see because he was always a, a left-handed hitter. So my point being, he's going to have to deal with how right-handed pitchers come after him. And, you know, maybe they throw him sliders away or maybe they throw him cutters down and in. That That's a process that you have to take into account because it's going to come out of hand from a different direction, a different angle. And some guys can make that adjustment. Some guys can't. I don't think it's as easy as people may think it is. Um, the other night, Tommy Edmond swore he faced a right-handed hitter, right-handed pitcher from the right side. And, and, you know, he did it before. And I think you can get away with it with some pitchers. But I think overall to, to give that up, I guess if it's me, and if I'm going to play every day, if I give up swinging from the left side, guess what? All of a sudden I'm a brand-new right-handed hitter. Kirk uh, Claves, you might be the only other person that remembers this. Do you remember Lou Brock hitting right-handed one day in Cincinnati? When yeah, we, it was I do. One, one at-bat he, in his career, he batted right-handed. He, was, he had been struggling a little bit, and he just wanted to try just to see what it was like. And, you know, Lou was an incredible athlete. That, that's something that we kind of overlook. I mean, he was built like a battleship. Uh, you know, we always, always know him as far as his base-dealing ability. But, you know, he was a strong guy. He was very versatile. Um, and he did it the one time. I remember it. And uh, why he didn't go back to it, I don't know. But you know what? He had 3,000 hits from the other side. So maybe that's the reason why. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you think that Paul DeYoung will be able to continue to sustain the success? Because, you know, we talked about yesterday. It seems like he always gets off to a good start, and then we kind of see him bottom out. How do you see his role shaping out with the Cardinals moving forward? Boy, you know, it, with with – I think it's a different setup this this time around. Reason being, um, you've got a different hitting coach in Turner Ward, and you have a guy who helped fix him in the minors in Brandon Allen, who's the assistant hitting coach. I think maybe they'll go at it differently than what Paul DeYoung experienced in, in previous encounters. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But here, here's the problem that all these guys have, whether you're in the outfield or in the infield, you got to play. I don't think these guys are at a stage in their careers where they can take three days off and, and then try and jump back in. These, these guys are creatures of habit. And the way they're going to be productive is they have to play. And obviously there aren't enough spots you know, in the lineup for them. So it, it's a real dilemma for them to be prepared and for Ali to be able to push the right button and get the matchup he's looking for to make sure that these guys are uh, as successful as they can be. Claves, this team hasn't won a game to open a series yet this season. Are they having fun? 
They, they, they want to, but they know there's some work at hand. And, you know, Carrie, it's one of those things where, like last night, you had one of those here-we-go-again moments, you know, with the error, and then all of a sudden you say, okay, here we go. And those are the things that kind of, you know, throw water on your campfire. Uh, but, you know, Ali said the other day, he said he, he's not worried about it, uh, but at some point you have to think about it more because, you know, if you don't win the first game of a series, it's kind of hard to sweep anybody. <laughs> and, you know, when you sweep yeah. people, you, you know, that's how you start streaks, winning streaks. We, we figured and, that out earlier. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, you know, I kind of figured that out, I think, what, third grade? I think, you know, math told me that, you know, if you don't win the first one. So anyway, I, I think, you know, you're trying to put that in the rearview mirror. And I think what they're trying to do is eliminate the negative noise that that's being conducted at this point, but, you know, you can't overlook it. I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, you go through the process and say, all right, what are we doing in games two and three that we're not doing in game one? It's nothing. You know, I I just think right now the team is like out of sync, you know, where one day you have good pitching, another day your defense saves you, another day your offense really comes through when the pitching isn't there. And they haven't been able to put all those things together with any consistency yet. Uh, and when they do, it's going to be a different-looking ball club. But I'm going to go back to my original point. We're a different-looking team when Goldschmidt and Arnato aren't uh, you know, swinging the bat like we've seen them do over the last few years. The reason I asked about if they're having fun, because what you just mentioned, when you boot a ball and, and the mindset is, oh, here we go again. When you're having fun, when you're winning games and you boot a ball, you say, oh, okay, we'll get them out. It's a different mindset yeah. when you're having fun and winning games and losing can become contagious and you start to feel like, oh, no, here we go again. It's going to happen again. And it happens again and you continue to lose. So having fun and having a change of mindset could definitely get this ball club to start winning some games. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and I asked Lars Newbar that question on Sunday uh, after the game. You know, when um, Flaherty had the one inning where he battled and tipped my cap to him, he and Montgomery had two innings where you thought the world was going to fall mm-hmm. in on them. And then all of a sudden, here they are in the sixth inning still dealing. Uh, and it said a lot about those two guys. But Lars was like adamant about no, I wasn't worried about it because you know we had we had a tough guy on the mound. He pitched through trouble, and you know all was forgotten after that. And, and I think now um, you want to have fun, but you know when you have that error, you you see, there was a time you say, all right, man, don't worry about it. We'll dial up a double play ball. We'll get we'll get out of this thing. Well, that wasn't the case. And, you know, I'm not saying the error was the sole reason why he lost. You know, it's kind of hard to beat anybody when you don't score. But when it's all said and done, you, you look at those little things and then they start to add up and then you just say, oh, boy. And so, but the thing is, the best thing about baseball is you got a game the next day and you can go out and fix it. You don't have to sit and wait for a whole week or, you know, three nights from now. You're going to play tomorrow. And so you come out and you come out with the right approach. And who knows what happens? Claims a couple more things. Let's do this first. Uh, what do you got on ClaibsOnline.com right now? Well, we're going to have uh, the commission has a column up on, on Claves Online. Also, we're going to do our lunch show today with Joe Roderick and myself. Ryan Rocky are talking NBA. Dr. Rick Lehman's got a podcast coming out a little later in the week. And um, those are the things that we have going on as we speak. But as you know, you just never know what you're going to see and read on ClavesOnline.com. And finally, you've been around the, the ball club for a long time. Has there been a more fun guy than tonight's Giants starter, John Brebbia? 
Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Um, I remember we were in Denver, and for some reason, you know, he he, he travels with an umbrella. <laughs> yes. Everywhere he goes, he used to carry an umbrella. And he was just such a delightful guy. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, he is one of the fun guys, a very likable guy. Uh, and he'll start tonight. He'll be an opener for them. You know, San Francisco's looked in on starting pitching right now. And uh, so he'll start the game. And this Gabe Kapler is one of those guys. He tries to play all 26 guys in one game every night. So but don't be surprised to see that lineup flipped around a little bit after the first inning. Klaibs, always great to have you with us. Have a great day in the city by the bay. And we'll talk to you soon. Try and stay warm is what I'm going to try and do. <laughs> right. Take care, man. Uh, you guys take care. That's a great clay. Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. Yeah. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on the opening drive with Brooke, Carey, Randy, and Matthew on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Before we get to rock and roll, number one, Mizzou will be in town tonight. Their come home tour is at Ballpark Village this evening from 6 to 8 p.m. All you have to do is stop by Ballpark Village and Eli Drinkwitz will be there. Basketball coach Dennis Gates. Uh, you'll also have uh, Brian Smith from the uh, the wrestling team, Desiree Reed-Francois. So a uh, great contingent of Mizzou people tonight at Ballpark Village from 6 to 8. And the voice of the Tigers, Mike Kelly, will be there too. It'll be good to see him. And you can join me Friday from 11 to 1 at the Seed and Stricker Nobby Valley Park Tent Sale. That's right. Uh, the the Seed and Stricker Nobby Valley Park Tent Sale. You get $1,000 off the purchase of a compact tractor or use a $1,000 coupon to purchase in-stock attachments for your tractor. Plus, compact tractors at the event will be available for 0% APR for 60 months. Check out all of that this Friday from 11 to 1. I will be there at the Seed and Stricker Nobi Tent Sale at 108 Merrimack Valley Plaza in Valley Park. Learn more at 101ESPN.com, but I can't wait to see you there. Seed and Stricker Nobi in Valley Park on Friday from 11 to 1. I will see you there. Matthew, what do you got? Well, we did mic drops a little bit earlier in the show. We weren't able to get to one of my favorites, Janet, so I really wanted to get to Janet's mic drop on the Cardinals. Here she is. Flaherty's coming around, so I would keep him. But the rest of the players that are not signed up for next year, I'd use them to trade for decent starting pitchers or relief pitchers. I'd bring Libertor up and I would send Woodford down. And when Wayno comes back, I would put Mats back in the bullpen. That would fix a lot of things. And DeYoung needs to go, I'm sorry, but he should be used as trade bait. I don't trust him anymore. Albers got into his head and messed him all up, and he thinks too much now instead of just playing. It's such a shame. Cut and print. That's the Cardinals' plan. Go with it, Janet. One hundred percent right. Go with it. Everything Ooh, she said. There. Was, Go. There was a there was a lot to dissect there. Look, I do think that they're going to try to do something with Paul DeYoung. You have to, right? You would you rather just DFA him and get nothing, essentially? Uh, no, I'd like to get something for him. So okay. it might be painful, and you just hope that I'm gonna I'm gonna hope with what Clabe said that maybe this time around we won't see him do the fast start and then nothing. Okay, so 
Cardinals call up the Angels, Paul DeYoung for Shohei Otani, who says no. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, the Angels clearly want that done. I think the Angels would say ASAP. no. <laughs> <laughs> they would say no to that. They'd be like, wait, who put that trade together? That's awful. <laughs> Don't come back here again. Uh, it, I, Janet, I would... Janet has a very thoughtful response. I think it's really hard to trade at this point unless you have top of the line free agents to be. I, I think it's really hard to trade people like DeYoung. I, I would think that you could get something for Jordan Montgomery. But I, I don't think that you move, and you've already got Michael assigned. So, and she's keeping Flaherty. So, and you aren't trading Wayno. So, basically, what you're looking at is trading Jordan Montgomery and Paul DeYoung. And I don't know that that is enough, unless you just want to get rid of him, to bring back a significant haul. I don't think you need to get rid of Jordan Montgomery. I, I would like to see him in a Cardinals uniform. I would like to see him in a Cardinal uniform, pitching in the seventh inning. He did yesterday. Yeah, for. Until the time he had been made an error. Did his job. Uh, he he did a great job. Yep. Did you see Flaherty kind of consoling him in the dugout? Yeah. I'm sure those guys just roll their eyes. They're just like, okay, come on. You did <laughs> we, your best. Yeah, it was we, the offense didn't didn't help you out there. And they, they aren't just they aren't given an opportunity to be starting pitchers because it's twenty twenty three. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. That's our uh, producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Uh, Brooke, I hope you enjoyed this day. We, we sparred. We, you, you're just, you think the season's <laughs> over. I think that there's a, a six, five I, months to go. I never said that the season is over with. <laughs> you're trying to bait me. Yeah. You're trying to bait yeah. me into this. You're trying to He's bait trying. CD and I, and we are not buying yeah. any of that. Carrie, season over? Nah, we still got plenty of time. But uh, We're, we're realists on this side. We're being realists yeah. right now about what's happening currently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get him. Get him. Okay. <laughs> we we just call it like we see it, Mr. Character. Okay. That's it. Fair enough. We want play we want him better. We want him we want to go 162 and 0. We would love that. Now, yeah. if you can set records, then why not? Yeah. We expect hundred percent. Yes, all we the do. time. No. no. We do. No, we do. don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Because then you can only get to be disappointed. Oh. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up. And tomorrow, I believe, is hump day already. And we've got Ask Uncle Randy for you. We've got all kinds of fun stuff tomorrow. And we, uh, what fun guests do we have, Matthew? Let's see if I can put him on the spot here. Uh, Adam Wainwright should be joining us there tomorrow. He might, be in, in, he might be flying after his rehab start today, but we don't know 100%. But right now he is scheduled to join us. And also Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine is going to join us on a Wednesday. Nice. Hey, we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show, like we said. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.